Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, joined by Dave Somerville. Good evening. Good evening, Dave. And, of course, by Jake McGee. Howdy. Howdy, indeed. Uh, gentlemen, regular season is done. That's mm-hmm. it. We've, we've lived through 18 weeks of glorious football. Uh, or terrible football, depending on which team you support. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really does. <laughs> really does. Depends a lot on what team you support. Uh, but you know what? It was it was another great season, um, and we have now got. Thanks for connecting me earlier, Jake. The Super Wild Card Weekend to look forward to. Um, we can start off by saying, of course, that the. Um, Wildcard bracket looks like this. In the AFC, we have the Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. This is on Saturday. And then we have the Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs. And then on Sunday, we have Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. Green Bay Packers at the Dallas Cowboys. Los Angeles Rams at the Detroit Lions. And then on Monday night, we have Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So before we go through our um, recap of the Week 18 result, you know, there's no there's no spoilers here because, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday, we're uploading on Thursday. Surely everybody knows who's in and who's out. Um, but before we, before we go and do our recap, uh, Dave, I'm going to throw you a quick question. Of course. Of the of the wildcard teams that have made it, mm. which one do you think, in your opinion, is the most surprising team to have made it? Or are you not sort of surprised by any of them? A couple of teams did need a lot of help to get in, but uh, which mm. of these teams do you think are the, the most surprising wildcard team? I mean, if you had asked me 18 weeks ago, I would have said the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt, I would have said the Rams. Um, at this point, Though, or looking at especially the last couple months, I, I'd I'd say the Packers. The I'd Packers? say Green Bay were very unlikely to make it, but uh, unfortunately they did. Um, yeah, I mean so, they, they came on really strong towards the end of the season there, and, and mm-hmm. they looked really good the past couple of weeks, especially. Of course, we'll we'll go into uh, that game in Week 18 there. Uh, Jake, I'll put the same question to you. Is there any teams that maybe two, three weeks ago you were thinking had no chance but somehow managed to sneak in? Maybe not two or three weeks ago, but about five weeks ago. The Buffalo Bills were nowhere near the playoffs um, and they went on to win their division. Uh, like mm. Dave says, at the start of the season, the Rams, you, you wouldn't put the Rams anywhere near the playoffs. Um, they've massively uh, kind of exceeded expectations. And I think we kind of tracked, uh, certainly did during the season, that the Packers were steadily improving and Jordan Love was steadily improving. So they certainly came on leaps and bounds. But the, the Bills, I mean, what a turnaround. Uh, a huge turnaround for the Bills. They looked like they were in real trouble for a while there. Um, the the team, I, I'm actually going to take both of the teams from the first game, the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. Because at the beginning of the year, I would never have said Houston were going to make it. To the playoffs, I just no chance whatsoever. Rookie quarterback, you have d- little faith. Well, je- <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I had no faith in the Texans. Um, and then you know, midway through the season, or like six weeks in, Cleveland Browns, I was thinking, no chance. Not you know, when when they went, finally went to Joe Flacco, I thought that that's it, they've got no chance. 
boy, was I wrong. Oh, my word. Um, so I'm taking both of those teams. Browns and the Texans are the biggest surprises. Um, I suppose you could argue if we'd uh, gone after 11 weeks, the Philadelphia Eagles being a wild card team. <laughs> um, just yeah. unbelievable. But we're going to talk about that, uh, gentlemen. And in fact, we'll get right into the Week 18 recap, starting with one of or two playoff teams, actually, who met each other. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens on Saturday. And this was one heck of a game. <laughs> M&T Bank Stadium in front of 70,355 fans who watched Tyler Huntley lead the Baltimore Ravens and of course the Pittsburgh Steelers were led by none other than Mason Rudolph and the Steelers come away with a 17-10 win to get them into the playoffs. They still needed some help but they got their own win so you know they took... Um, they took their feet out of their own hands by do, by winning the game. Uh, looking at some of the box score here, Mason Rudolph went 18 of 20. That was 18 of 22 incompletions. <laughs> for, I know, for, for 152 yards. It just sounds weird when you say that about Mason Rudolph. No offense, yeah, Mason, yeah. if you're listening. Um, 152 yards, one touchdown. And no picks, he was sacked three times. Najee Harris had himself another big day. 26 carries for 112 and a touchdown. The leading receiver on the team was Najee Harris. Five catches for 21 yards, although Deontay Johnson uh, had four for 89 and a big long touchdown there. Um, on the other side, Tyler Huntley went 15 for 20, 146 yards, one touchdown, four sacks. Um, the leading rusher, Gus Edwards, Gus the Bus, 10 for 48. And the leading receiver was Nelson Aguilar at five catches for 39 yards. Uh, Isaiah likely had a, a touchdown catch here, two for 31 and a touchdown. Um, very quickly, Jake, I'm just going to throw this one over to you. We we looked at these games and we thought, you know, we know that Lamar's not playing, but we were wondering what they were going to do. Uh, we said, there's no way you play Lamar and they didn't, you know, they got Huntley in there. It was still a close game, but uh, the big story, of course, apart from the Steelers getting in, is the loss of one of their biggest players. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those you won, but at what cost? Because TJ Watt uh, went down injured. He's confirmed to at least uh, miss this week, uh, with obviously no kind of confirmation that there will be another week for the Steelers. Um, and and without TJ Watt, you know the sack leader. Uh, and, and second team all pro, I guess, because he's not first team all pro somehow. Um, without him, that, that's a huge loss. And the Steelers, I mean, we all joked, even when they're at the lowest of the lows, they'll find a way to have a winning season. Well, they found a way to do that and more. Uh, they won three straight to make the playoffs. They have a minus 20 in point differential. <laughs> how you win 10 games and go into the playoffs with a negative uh, punt, uh, point differential is, is quite impressive um, and this game alone I think Rudolph had 3 fumbles more fumbles than incompletions and there was 8 fumbles in the game overall no one seemed to be able to hold onto the ball so uh, a bit of a mess of a game like I say Baltimore just kind of playing the backups They're nothing to play for they'd already locked in the number 1 seed mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the Steelers, like I say, everything to play for uh, and still needed a little bit of help, which obviously that they got. 
They did indeed. Uh, Dave, very quickly, the Baltimore Ravens, as we said, they've already rested their starters. They've got the first uh, round bye in the playoffs, being the number one seed. It's good for them to get Huntley a little bit of experience. Uh, Not so much experience, but get some reps on the go and get some of those other players out there, uh, which will always stand them in good stead should, you know, the unthinkable happen, anything happen to Lamar in the postseason. But uh, this game didn't give us an idea of what the Ravens can do, obviously. I mean, what's what's the limit for this team? Do you think uh, they are the number one seed Super Bowl favorites in the FC? Oh, 100%. They're Super Bowl favorites, not just in the NFC, I think in the entire league. And I think that was kind of um, thoroughly seen when they absolutely demolished the Miami Dolphins um, in week 17. Uh, by 56 points to 19 so you know that that that's a team that was quite he- that's been quite heavily fancied and for very obvious reasons um but you know, there's been other weeks when i mean they beat the seahawks 37-3 right in the middle of of the year um but i i found it fascinating in this one that's the score that the steelers beat them in uh the fifth their fifth game was 17-10 as well and they beat them again 17-10, although it was a much-changed uh, Baltimore Ravens. But do you know what? The, I, 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 it's hard not to see them being Super Bowl favourites at this point in time. That defence is just lethal. Lamar is Lamar. We know that. Uh, they rested OBJ in this one as well, which was uh, quite... If, you know, it was necessary, I think, to have your wide receiver one rested. Um, but... Do you know what? I, I I strongly think we're going to see the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl. The The only problem is that every so often they do have a little slip up that makes you question, makes you question them. And they've done that over the last few years as well. Um, but I have a lot of faith now in the Ravens. Uh, so hopefully uh, I'll be seeing them against uh, a certain West Coast team. That's not San Francisco in, in the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I, I love your optimism. I do. Would you say OBJ's wide receiver one, Baltimore? I would say uh, Zing Flowers would have been number one. Well, he doesn't play in the kind of wide receiver one slot. I think Zay, Zay, I, I'd say Zay Flowers would be number two. Um, yeah, I, I, I think so. I, Lamar like Lamar's starting to develop Zay Flowers as his main target man. But it's yeah. If for obviously a lot of the uh, the routes and things, the number one target is going to be your number one receiver, which I do think is OBJ. That's uh, it's just my opinion. But I uh, see Flowers. He's he's got a bright future ahead of him. But I I think yeah, he doesn't. O- Odell uh, Beckham. Yeah, Zay Flowers had an, an amazing rookie season. He's uh, he really looks like the real deal. And we'll see how they get on in the playoffs, and then. Oh my word, gentlemen, we're going to move on to Lucas Oil Stadium, where the Houston Texans took on the Indianapolis Colts in front of 65,925 fans, and this game was an absolute belter, uh, unless, of course, you're an Indianapolis Colts fan, in which game this, in which case this game was an absolute heartbreaker. Uh, the Houston Texans come away with a 23-19 to win uh, in this one. Looking at some of the box scores, CJ Stroud, 20 out of 26, 264 yards, two touchdowns, practically flawless in this one, rating of 134.1. Um, leading rusher Devin Singletary, 24 for 63, and a touchdown. Leading receiver, Nico Collins had himself an 
absolute day. Nine catches, 195 yards and a touchdown. And even Andrew Beck got in on the fun. He had two catches for nine yards and a touchdown. On the other side, Gardner Minshew, 13 of 24, 141 yards. Um, uh, rushing Jonathan Taylor went it just explodes in this 30 rushes 188 yards one touchdown the leading receiver on the team was michael pittman jr he had five for 44 but the texans come away with the win in this one they, they come away with a win and jake you've been ringing the bell for these texans all year even back the beginning when i didn't believe you you were going on about how texans were going to do well they make it into the playoffs. They win the division. Houston Texans, what can we look for going into the wild card of this team? Um, Super Bowl aspirations. That's what we can look for. They had no Tank Dell, no Noah Brown, no Robert Woods. Didn't, didn't matter. Uh, just no problem at all. Um, like I say, Nico Collins, absolute superstar. Sierra Shroud better put a foot wrong. Um, I think that was for the Colts, the only kind of good news. Um, given the, the circumstances and how it ended for them. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, that was his first 100-yard game since November 2022. Um, so it's been a long time coming. Um, so that was some positive for them. But like I say, for the Texans, it doesn't get any easier uh, next week for them, come up against one of the best defences in the league. But yeah, I've, uh, I, I was very high on them at the start of the year when, when nobody else was. People have, have slowly come come round and it feels very very good to be right about a premonition uh, once in a while. Um, but yeah, where, where are all my naysayers at? Yeah, indeed. Uh, and uh, Dave, we'll put to you that the Indianapolis Colts, they had their chances to win this game. They came very close. Gardner Minshew played another good game. Um, to, and I'm going to be honest here. I was talking to uh, Ewan, Ewan McPhail, and mm -hmm. uh, we were talking about rookie quarterbacks and how CJ Stroud had looked just incredible this year. Uh, Bryce Young just didn't look good at all. And then he mentioned Anthony Richardson, and I forgot that Anthony mm -hmm. Richardson started this year for the Colts. Now, that's 99% on me. That's my fault for forgetting. The other I'm 1%... I'm pretty sure you backed him to be offensive rookie of the year. I did. I did. <laughs> so so I'd, I'd actually forgotten. 99% uh, on me. 1% on Gardner Minshew. Because Minshew has played well this year. He's had a couple of games where he's been rocky, shall we say. Some very dubious interceptions. Um, but he has played well. And do you think... The Colts will try to keep Minshew, or do you think he's done enough that other teams will be looking at him as maybe a potential starter next year? Uh, both, I would say so. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I, I, I get the feeling that every single team, uh, bar maybe seven or eight, are looking at the quarterback to, uh, and uh, looking at Gardner Minshew in particular, especially if they've got like a star quarterback. Just say, for example, um, what, what what team will we go for? Uh, look at the Cowboys. Something happens to Dak, then they want a, a top tier second quarterback. Because look at the state of the injuries in the entire league this year for for quarterbacks. They have been left, right, and center, and they have been brutal. You've got Aaron Rodgers. You know, obviously we forgot about him. So hard to get away yeah, from no, him. Nothing wrong with forgetting <laughs> about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Very true. But then you've also got uh, people like Joe Burrow. You know, uh, went down uh, with a bad injury. Um, 
Yeah, they've they've all been injured at some point, and Garner Minshew has come in and performed very, very well. Um, so he's definitely going to be on the majority of teams' radar for at least second string, at least the backup quarterback position. Uh, so I think uh, he's done more than enough. He's justified it as well with his play. Uh, I, I I do disagree that he was very good in this game. I'm afraid I I saw I saw the game start to finish and. There were at, at the crucial times. You're talking about like third down when they couldn't quite get that first down. He was just not good enough, I'm afraid to say. Uh, uh, the, the, where the guy dropped the ball that was right. To, oh, was that a fourth down? That might have been a fourth down. That like, might have been a fourth down. He yeah, there yeah, 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 was one or like, two. Um, see, the, do you know what this is? This is your Rams bias. because no, it's no, this, no. I, It is, and I'll tell you why. Because it's the same reason that the Rams beat the Giants when Saquon couldn't catch a pass. Yeah. It's the same. This was the same thing. The, the the guy, and I forget who it was. Apologies, uh, the running back thirty four. I forget who it was. Minshew had him, threw it to him. He dropped the ball, and it, you know, turnover, turnover and downs. Moss? It might have been Zach Moss. Turnover and downs. Been, well, yeah. Uh, well, what I, I I've got evidence though. I've got evidence that it's not Rams biased. Go for it. Right, third down. The Colts were one of eleven. In this game, I'm talking about How one play. I'm talking about one play. Team. I'm talking about yeah, the whole well, game. Well, well, yeah, that's that's one play. But I'm saying Gardner <laughs> Minshew was not. It it backs up my point though that Gardner Minshew didn't was not as good uh, anywhere near as good as what he can be. And oh no, he didn't have his best. No, was, of course, no. DJ Stroud was yeah. one, had one of the no. best games, and in in the it was a win all. This uh, you know you you win you're in the playoffs and you win the division in this case. Uh, that that's what it was going to be. And CJ Stroud stepped up. Gardner Minshew did not quite step up. He had uh, T- Taylor was just on fire for the entire game, and the quarterback. Well, like it's so, a lot of the quarterback play was okay. Was pretty good, but there were key moments where CJ Stroud stepped up and Gardner Minshew didn't. So that that was well, the listen. only difference. But I, from a backup quarterback, which let's be honest, Minshew is in this scenario at, at the Colts with Richardson out. He, he he played fantastic this season. So, yes, every single team should be looking at him as at least a backup quarterback. Uh, well, we'll need to wait and see what the other teams are doing because, of course, there's been a lot of changes with coaches and who knows what's going to be happening to quarterback oh, positions wow, yeah. throughout, uh, throughout the course of the year. But a huge, huge congratulations to D'Amico Ryans uh, getting his team into the playoffs there. And CJ Stroud, again, Jake, I apologise you were right. I was wrong. CJ Stroud was absolutely insane this year. What a performance. Um, so let's see how they get on in the postseason. Now, speaking of coaches being fired, and speaking of coaches in general, we're moving over to the NFC South, where the Atlanta Falcons took on the New Orleans Saints at Caesars Superdome in front of 70,000 and 72 fans. And the Saints absolutely put the Falcons to the cosh. The Saints needed to win this game to have a chance of making the playoffs. And they did it in style. 48-17. They absolutely pummeled the Falcons in this one. Um, 
I'm not going to talk about it too much. There's a couple of box scores here. Desmond Ridder of the Vulcans, 22 of 30, 291 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Logan Woodside was 3 of 4 for 27 yards and a pick. Um, uh, running the ball, Bijan Robinson went 11 for 28. Leading receiver on the team was also Bijan Robinson, who had seven catches for 103 yards and a touchdown. Uh, on the other side, Derek Carr, 22 of 28, 264 yards, four touchdowns for a rating of 145.5. Um, Kendry Miller was the leading rusher, 13 for 73. And the leading receiver on your Saints there, Jake, was Taysom Hill with four catches for 28 yards. But, of course, you had guys like A.T. Perry, three for 53, two touchdowns. Chris Olavi had a touchdown. Rashid Shaheed had a touchdown. Uh, big play for him. Jake, this was your team, but a lot of people talked about the end of this game. Uh, personally, I loved it. Why don't you tell us uh, more about this <laughs> game, Saints and Falcons? Yeah, the, the, the game was massively overshadowed with the, the, the final proceedings and say it was really good to see Kendra Miller and A.T. Perry um, kind of stars of the future hopefully really step up and get a chance. Uh, Kendra Miller's been pretty much inactive most of the year with injuries and illness so it was great to get to see him and, and A.T. Perry looks like a, a, an absolute monster with his, his kind of physical gifts um, but <laughs> it was just a crazy sequence at the end. The, the Saints against their bitter rivals, their most hated rival who they hate um, really, really hate um, run out up 24 points in victory formation, and they so much so that uh, when the Saints all year have run victory formation, you know the few times we've managed to actually win a game comfortably, uh, we we roll out um, James Winston because we wouldn't want to waste our, our quarterback on a, on a, a kneel down. So they go in victory formation. Um, but And the play is called from Dennis Allen. Listen, boys, we're up 24. Kneel the game out. The game is over and done with. And uh, Jameis Winston and the guys look around and say, well, what, what do you think? You know, uh, Jamal Williams, who led the league in touchdowns last year, mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns, um, has basically been m- marked down to a fullback for the Saints. And he's not complained. He's chipped in he's helped out he certainly had a, a much different role this year uh, he's a, a really loved guy in, in any locker room he's in the saints players in the huddle uh, led by james winston decided you know jamal williams he's not had a touchdown all year he deserves a touchdown and they out of victory formation uh, run a play up 24 points and obviously score a touchdown because the falcons see a victory formation they, they're not particularly bothered at this point down 24 um so the saints end up scoring one more touchdown um this was after uh tyron matthew almost picked six he got tackled at the one um so it was almost a, a touchdown anyway uh, they were just capping it off uh arthur smith who uh, obviously knew he was on the way out who's was not best pleased that that is going to be the final moment of his head coaching career uh, he goes over at the end of the game where the coaches meet and uh, absolutely choose Dennis Allen out. And this is maybe the first time all year I've seen Saints Twitter absolute in unity. Um, happy with Derek Carr the last few weeks. And a lot of people are finding like, oh my God, you know what? Fair play, Dennis Allen. We have we don't like you, Dennis Allen. But, you know, getting one over on the, the Falcons, that, that you know, that's good in my book. Getting one over the Falcons, you, you have to love that. Um, so for about half an hour, there was absolute unity and happiness in the Saints Twitter uh, kingdom. 
until Dennis Allen came out on the podium and basically said, yeah, that's not cool. Uh, we shouldn't have done that. I told him not to do that. That's not cool. That's not who we are. We wouldn't do that to the Falcons. And everyone was like, what? That's, a, that's exactly who we are. We, Sean Payton would have gone for two. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> of course uh, he would. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> Jake, listen, we, we, have, we discussed this in the off-season. I'd asked you, I don't know if you remember, and I said, who is the one team that, as a Saints fan, you despise? And without any hesitation, you said, it's the Falcons. They're your rival. That's the team you hate. So if I'm a Saints fan, I'm absolutely wanting my team to try and rub their noses in it. Dave, you're for, if you you your Rams are playing as a 49ers, you hate the most. Yeah, it is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if, if it was the Rams, you'd want them to go for it. Yeah, I want them to go for two. I, I want to show them to go for two. Jake, 100%. you're absolutely one hundred percent right. I, yes, and 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 Dennis Al and oh, uh, carry on, Jake. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, it's just with, with it. Uh, obviously, Dennis Al came out and, and publicly, basically told everybody that his players don't respect him. Um, the the best thing he could have done, even if he didn't call it, is just own it and be like, "Yeah, that, that was cool. Whatever." Next question. Instead, he came out and basically said, "Yeah, I called victory, um, and my players disobeyed me." Op doing that openly in a press conference, saying that your players don't respect you enough and your players overrid you. Um, I don't know how he's still head coach, but for many reasons, but also for this, because that that straight away should be a fireable offense. If you're you're just admitting you have lost complete control of the locker room. There's no respect there. Um, the the Jameis Winston interview is an absolute all-time interview. It's gold. Um, after the game, <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. But Jameis Winston was getting grilled and Shannon Sharp being Shannon Sharp. Um, and a lot of players t talking about Jameis Winston it being Jim Winston's fault. It was, a, it was a team's decision for one. And saying, oh, the Saints ran up the score. It's, you know, that's not cool. James Winston put it perfectly. He said, "Well, we were. What about the other like forty-one points we put up on them? Was was that not cool? You know, Tyra Matthew should have scored a pick six if he was, you know, a year younger. Yeah, would that have been fine? But because it was run out of victory for cool, it's like no, it's it's like you say, it's a, it's a rivalry. It was getting a kind of locker room leader who's loved his one and only touchdown of the year because the likelihood was we were out of the playoffs. We needed a lot of help that didn't come." I don't see anything wrong with it. And like I say, it's such a shame because I've never seen Saints Twitter be so unified this year and then straight away unified again, uh, but yeah. against the team again. And they were raising money for billboards um, to get a fire Dennis Allen billboard. And all of a sudden the price went massively up. It was going like viral on, on Twitter. Some tons of Saints fans doing a GoFundMe. And all of a sudden, dubiously, the billboard price like tripled in price. Um, <laughs> surely nobody from the Saints uh, looked, you know, did anything wrong. So it's, I don't, I, the, the Saints at the moment are, they, they, it's a mess. There's a complete divide. The, the GM, Mickey Loomis, is the GM of the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, and that's kind of his baby. He doesn't really give a damn about the Saints at the moment. Are um, other people that work under him, uh, Jeff Island and Kai, uh, who's like the, the the salary cap um, wizard? Are both having kind of a general manager interviews this week? If they go, we've got nobody in the building that cares. Um, and the Saints seem to be happy, kind of being this mediocre team.
Uh, we had an historically, and I mean historically, easy schedule. I think via DVOA, it's like one of the top ten easiest schedules all time. And you miss the playoffs, uh, and, and they they don't seem bothered by that. I mean, we'll get on to the Titans in a little bit, I'm sure, but they fired Mike Vrabel, who's a great coach, who's had no help in terms of quarterbacks, because they're, they're saying that's not good enough. The Saints, who have got a head coach who I think is 24 and 46 all time are saying yeah this is this is exactly where we want to be we're happy with this it's uh, thank god for the Texans because otherwise I would have nothing to cheer for at the moment <laughs> uh so a couple of things uh before we move on a couple of things um so I mean right Dennis Allen coming out and saying we shouldn't have done that is just ridiculous you should have said absolutely there are rivals secondly Running up the score, right? When no, I didn't hear a single person complain that the Dolphins were running up the score on the Broncos when they scored seventy. Didn't hear anyone say the Raiders were running up the score in the Chargers when they banged in what was it, sixty-three? No, no one said that. Nobody at all. Right? You tell me. You tell me. Seventy's not running up the score, but <laughs> you know, scoring forty-eight instead of forty-one is running. Shut. Get out of here with that. Secondly, Arthur Smith, whining and, I was going to say something else, whining and complaining, <laughs> right? He knows that was he was getting fired. He knew he was getting fired. So what are you complaining about? Do you think your resume looks better because you allowed 41 points instead of 48, got absolutely hammered in the final game of the season? Get out of here with that. He deserves to be fired. Uh, now, speaking of firings... Dave, mm-hmm. just uh, bre- breaking news, Jake McGee. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I've seen. Tom Palacero, <laughs> bombshell, bombshell. Pete Carroll is out as the Seahawks coach per sources. And I, for one, am absolutely delighted. Because I can't. Just the other day, he had a press conference and they said, you know, are you going to be back or do you want to be back? And he's like, yeah, I, I want to be back. Are you- so are you coming back? And he's like, I, I plan to. Um <laughs> Well, that didn't last long. <laughs> that didn't last long at all. Uh, yeah, Pete Carroll is out now. As you already mentioned, Jake, you know, uh, Vrabel got fired, uh, but and Arthur Smith got fired. And you, you look at Dennis Allen. And you're like, why is he still there? Why is he still there? Um, and you, your worst fears may have come true, Jake, when you said, you know, we might win the last couple of games of the season, just miss the playoffs, or maybe just sneak a wild card and that'll be good enough. And we'll hang on to the coach and it, that that may, may still be. I I think Alan will still get fired. I, I honestly do. I can't see them hanging on to him. Um, but we're going to move on, gentlemen. Staying in the NFC South, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers at Bank of America Stadium in front of 69,010 poor souls because this <laughs> was absolutely aw- This was an awful game. Awful yeah. game. The Buccaneers won at 9 nothing. okay? But that's, n- that's not the worst part of this game. The worst part is the Carolina Panthers had so many, after being shut out the week before, had so many chances to score in this game, including DJ Chark jumping, <laughs> you know what I'm going to this, leaping towards the end zone, stretching the ball out, and then just letting go of it before, <laughs> before it crosses the goal line for a touchback. And you're thinking, how? I mean, talk about just cursed 
this franchise is this year, this Carolina Panthers. Some of the box score, if I even need to bother reading it out. Baker Mayfield, 20 of 32, 137 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Rashad White was the leading rusher, 19 for 75. A leading receiver, Chris Godwin, 6 for 51 yards. Of course, no touchdowns whatsoever. Um, Bryce Young went 11 of 18 for 94 yards. Don't really know anything else you need to say about that. Tuba Hubbard, 23, uh, rushes for 83. And the leading receiver uh, was tied. Four players were tied with two catches. We'll give it to DJ Chat because he had the most yards, 46. But we should totally take it off him again for that ridiculous fumble into the end zone. Uh, total yards in this game, 228 for Tampa Bay, 199 for Carolina. It was abysmal. It was awful. The only man, the, literally the only man who did anything was Chase McLaughlin. Three field goals out of three attempts. There you go. I mean, Dave, do you want to say anything about this game? Not particularly. No. Um, but it was, I, th- I, I well, when I was watching it, uh, in back and forty, which it it didn't last a full forty. Surprise, surprise. Um, but uh, yeah, it I, lasted I was, four. This was, <laughs> nothing <laughs> happened. Yeah, well, it was uh, uh, when I was watching. I was thinking Bryce Young's doing his best Trevor Simeon impression um, in, in this game because he just cannot throw any kind of long pass whatsoever. I think he had one to DJ that that the DJ Shark one for forty odd yards was the only one. I think over 10 yards, the only completion he had in the game over 10 yards and it was one of 42. So you, you imagine DJ Shark didn't, didn't catch that at all. He would have been what 10 of 18 for what 52 yards. Can you imagine? It's just, it's so bad. I mean, Baker said it himself, you know, we, we need, we need to be better, but at the same time, we, our wins a win. I mean, I'm I'd be embarrassed if I won that game, but to lose it like that as well, it, it's I, I don't even know what to say. The pat we we talk about some other organizations being a mess. That Carolina team, oh, that's just awful. Yeah, it's it's really bad. So, yeah, the less said, maybe the better. I mean, I suppose the good thing for the Panthers is their defense didn't allow any touchdowns. That, <laughs> that that's literally the only positive this team could take from that game jake uh panthers have fired their head coach as we know they've also i believe did they get rid of the gm as well i think they did yep um the buccaneers however won the nfc south with this victory um they're into the playoffs so what you know i i hate to say what chance do they have because that's that is being unfair to a, a, a professional sports organization but seriously what chance do they have because, I mean, uh, they're, they're just, they're home to the Philadelphia Eagles. And we'll talk about the Eagles later. So actually, maybe the Buccaneers have got a good chance. Uh, what chance are they got of making a deep run into the playoffs? The defense is good in Tampa Bay. Um, I don't know if this game was indicative of the Panthers defense playing out of their minds. Because what has been lost this year is that the Panthers' defense hasn't been as bad as a lot of people think because they've been put in some really, really bad situations by their offense with opponents starting drives inside Panthers' territory. And um, 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 Burns, the, 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 the player that, the, who was going to be traded, Brian remember, Burns, Brian yeah. Burns, remember they, they offered 
They offered him for two first rounders, and we both said I didn't see uh, trying to trade Brian Burns. But then was it the Rams? I think it was yes, the Rams. Yes, it was. Who were insane for not taking it? Um, what, what do you think about both these franchises, Jake? But just very quickly on on the, the Bucks in the playoffs, and then you know what do the Panthers do? Well, the Bucks in the playoffs. Dave mentioned there with um, Bryce Young not having a good game throwing. Baker Mayfield went over eight on passes over ten air yards. The Bucks averaged three point three yards per play. Um, it's it's not good. It's not pretty. It's not been pretty for a few weeks for the Bucks. They've won the NFC South by being the best of a really bad group. And I predicted this way back when. I said, you know, when you asked me who's the best in the NFC South, I said, the Bucks doesn't mean they're good. It's just they're the best of of a bad bunch. That is true. Um, even. With the Eagles in absolute free fall, I, I don't anticipate the Bucks making a, a run, let alone a deep run in the playoffs at all. And then, as kind of Dave alluded to, the, the Panthers is just a, a mess, I think. I mean, fired the head coach, like you said, fired the GM. The owner is an absolute D-bag um, who doesn't seem to know how to run a football team, but seems to think he does. Um, I it's got to be probably the least appealing job out there. I, like it's, I, I really don't see many positives for the Panthers going forward in the next year or two. Um, eight straight quarters without scoring a single point. Um, they've had no play run in the fourth quarter all season whilst they were winning a game, which I think is the first team ever to do that. Um, just an absolute mess. Like I say, they had the, the DJ Chark um, trying to be Jerome Simpson play and then Chuba Hubbard walked in for a touchdown and then they were pulled that was pulled back for an illegal formation they just they can't do anything right um so yeah the NFC South I don't think is going to get any better somehow (laughs) um you might be right you might be right but you know as I say I think one bright spot for the Panthers team is their defense isn't as bad as the score suggests they might be um, that you could argue that I'm biased because of the defensive coordinator, who I think is just an absolute genius. Um, he's got very little to work with in Carolina, and the offense just stinks. Uh, but we're going to move on, gentlemen. We come to the Cleveland Browns backups versus the Cincinnati Bengals. The Browns are already locked into the playoffs. Um, they went to Pecor Stadium in front of 65,865 fans, and this game went about as you would imagine. The Bengals... Uh, put up 31 unanswered before the Browns scored a couple of garbage time touchdowns. Um, Jeff Driscoll threw two touchdowns in the fourth quarter there to make a final score of 31-14. to 14. Looking at the box score, Jake Browning, 18 of 24 for 156 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Uh, AJ McCarron came in, went 3 of 4 for 20. On the other side, Jeff Driscoll was 13 of 26 for 166 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Um, rushing the ball for the Bengals, Joe Mixon went 14 for 111. The leading receiver was a, a Andre Iosivas. Iosivas? Iosivas. We're not sure yet. Uh, five <laughs> catches, 36 yards, two touchdowns. <clears throat> On the Cleveland side of the ball, leading receiver is David Bell. That's a lot easier to say. He had four catches, 68 yards, and two touchdowns. Not much to say about this game because, as I say, the, the Browns were locked in already. The Bengals didn't have anything to play for other than pride. Uh, Bengals come away with a big win. It was against the backups. Uh, Jake, I'll put it to you first. Um not really a lot we can take away from this because we don't know what the the Browns are going to be uh, with Joe Flacco at quarterback in, in the playoffs. 
if he's going to carry on this magical run that he's been on. Uh, and the Bengals, as I say, they, they really had nothing to do in this game. They ended up winning by a big margin. It could have been more. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was it was twenty four nothing at half, and then the Browns <laughs> backups got to finally play the Bengals backups because the Bengals were like, yeah, we we don't even need to play at this point. Um, it was a bit of a, a, a non-factor, uh, but all of the AFC North finished above five hundred, and that is despite this being the Bengals' only win in the division. I believe I think they went one and five, so I suppose that was a, a nice way to end the season for them. They didn't get shut out in their division. Um, I mean, it's just there. There really isn't much with this game. I say it's certainly all eyes uh, on this week for the Browns. Completely yeah. understandable that they're, they're resting uh, Granddad Joe Flacco and some of their other starters because they have, they they were locked in at number five. So completely understand their decision. I say for the Bengals, at least they finish on a high and been a bit of a a weird season. Um, obviously, with Joe Burrow being injured at the start of the year and them sucking slowly getting a bit hotter than Joe Burrow being fully injured and then finding a bit of a, a hidden gem in, in Jake Browning and I think they'll, they'll be okay kind of going forward but it feels a bit of a wasted season. It does. The, the, the injury to Burrow really just floored the team but uh, Dave, very quickly uh, the Jake Browning situation, very similar to the Gardner Minshew situation. He's proven that he can be a quarterback in the NFL. He can play well. Um, so, I mean, do you think... I? You know, same essentially the same question as I said. The Bengals are probably going to do everything they can to hang on to Jake Browning, but do you think he's done enough that other teams will be sniffing around with this guy, looking at maybe even potentially be a starter somewhere? I, I, I don't think quite. Uh, I don't think he's quite. I, I, I would choose Gardner Minshew over Jake Browning. Uh, the you know for every every game, if if that was the choice between the two, particularly for a starter, Jake Browning is one is kind of one of the better. Uh, backup quarterback so I think yeah the Bengals should kind of uh, negotiate a new contract for him uh, to make sure that he's there for uh, for Joe Burrow if anything does happen to him and we know that Joe Burrow has had a few injuries since he's come into the league and none have been uh, kind of sh- well n- none really have had um, small amount of small game time of being out uh, because let's be honest that Cincinnati offense without Jamar Chase and without Joe Burrow is very, very limited. Uh, you know, obviously you can make the case for Joe Mixon with the run game, but Joe Burrow, one of the top quarterbacks in the entire league. Jamar Chase, one of the top uh, receivers in the entire league. So um, you need you need some sort of backup and protection to these guys. Jake Browning fits that bill straight away. And also, I, I did also uh, notice that, you know, AJ McCarron came in. Uh, and I haven't seen him for quite a while uh, but uh, yeah that was uh, it was a weird one to see but yeah it, look the, this game was just it was, it, it, the majority of the game was garbage time you could even make that <laughs> that uh, um, argument there but uh, I, the only thing that I was kind of surprised about is that um, the Browns did still play some of their starters it wasn't quite all they could have rested a good few more but you know obviously they 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 don't want to end completely on just um you know taking people in off the street uh, to go to go to your one of your main rivals but uh 65,000 people went to see the Bengals in the last game which fair play to them knowing that their season was uh, completely done so yeah i think uh 
Bengals setting up for next year and Browns will have a very challenging playoffs uh, starting with the Texans. So um, we know the, Br- the Browns record at home this year was 8-1. But they finished eleven and six, so they were three and five away from home. Obviously, it, yeah, it was not counting this game three and four, um, but yeah, they were eight and one away f- uh, at home. Sorry, this season. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put the Browns as a favorite. But ben, ben, look, the Bengals are going to be fine. Bengals are going to be fine once uh, Joe Burrow comes back. So we'll yeah. see, we'll see how the, how the Browns do. Yeah, and and they are on the road uh, for the wild card game against Houston there. Um, so we're going to move on, gentlemen, to NFC North with the Detroit Lions, where staking their claim to do their best to try and get to the second seed um, against the Minnesota Vikings. They come away with a thirty to twenty victory uh, at Ford Field in front of sixty three thousand two hundred and thirty three fans, moving themselves up to twelve and five. Looking at the box score here, Jared Goff was twenty three of thirty two, three hundred and twenty yards to touch. Touchdowns. Leading rusher was David Montgomery, who went 10 for 40 and a touchdown. Leading receiver, no surprises, Amon Rassin Brown, seven catches, 144 yards and a touchdown. Uh, on the other side, Nick Mullins went 30 of 44 for 396 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Leading rusher, Ty Chandler, 12 for 69. And their leading receiver was Johnny Munt, who went 5 for 58. But Jordan Addison did go 4 for 57. And a touch. Oh, I beg your pardon. Sorry. I actually forgot that Justin Jefferson existed. <laughs> yeah. Ju- Justin Jefferson. I, I, do you know what? The reason I forgot about him is because the numbers were so far ahead of everyone else that it wasn't even on the same page. Justin Jefferson yep. was a leading receiver. 12 for 192 and a touchdown. Uh, but as I say, uh, Jordan Addison, uh, 57 yards and a touchdown as well. Um, so, I don't really know what you want to talk about regarding this one because the Detroit Lions, they won this game uh, against the Vikings, 30-20 to 20, as I say. The Lions now, as they're going to, in the, in the wild card spot here, they have got an absolute monster game up against a team that we will talk about later, Dave. So don't worry about that. Yeah, we will. Um, so before we do that, we'll talk about the Vikings very quickly. Nick Mullins uh, was a guy. Um, he's played two games against the Lions and thrown for about a thousand yards. Um, so I, I know that Ewan is worried about what's going to happen in the wildcard game. I know this for a fact because I spoke to him on Tuesday. Uh, but Jake... We'll throw it over to you. The Detroit Lions, it's been an absolute roller coaster season for these guys. Um, and I, I think a lot of us sort of picked them as a favourite for the NFC North Championship, uh, NFC uh, North Division title, I should say. They've, they've come good and they're a dangerous team, offensively and defensively. What do you think? Definitely offensively. Um, I mean, they're such a young team as well. They're the first rookie duo to both have 10 touchdowns with Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta. Um, Aiden Hutchinson had two more sacks this game. Um, but they, they played a lot of their stars. I think they pretty much played everybody because they, they had a very, very, very slim chance of get, moving up from the number three to the number two if both the Cowboys and the Eagles lost, which was always asking, uh, you know, for a lot so they they played everybody and you've got to kind of ask questions because Sam Laporta went down with what looked like a really bad knee injury apparently they've said now it's like an MCL kind of sprain they're talking days not weeks but he's an outside shot to play this week 
Um, but losing someone as valuable to their offense as him in a game that ultimately turned out to be a nothing game and, and realistically was always going to be a nothing game is a bit of a kind of a, a shot in the back. And d- defensively, like you mentioned, um, I keep on seeing all these, you know, since all the coaches' firings, who's getting uh, interviews here, there, and everywhere. And Aaron Glenn, the Lions defensive coordinator, is getting a few shouts. And if you go into any of the comments for that, you'll see a lot of Lions fans being like, oh, no, please don't take him. <laughs> hint, hint, please take him. Um, uh, the, the Lions defense hasn't been fantastic as of late, so that certainly is kind of their, their weak point going into the kind of the playoffs. That's certainly, like, I think Ewan is rightly a little worried. Yeah, he is. Uh, Dave, we won't talk about the Lions just now because we'll talk about them later on. Uh, so the Minnesota Vikings, so I, another team, backup quarterback. This time it's Nick Mullins. Um, he had a huge game this week against the Lions. That's two big games he's had against the Lions, but not really against anyone else. It's uh, it's, been, it's been pretty hard for these Vikings with all the injuries they've had. I mean, they've had two quarterbacks knocked out this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what do you think going forward? I, I think a lot of people are talking about the possibility of Kirk Cousins being traded. What do you think about that? If they trade him, they, they either have uh, they'll they'll put out feelers for a really good uh, free agent, or they're going to trade up in the draft. Um, I, I spoke to you and myself about this, and he thinks that Minnesota could be one of the teams that will throw a big load to move up in that draft uh, up to. Uh, the the Bears at number one pick. So watch this space in terms of that. But see, with what they've got with Nick Mullins is, again, a decent backup quarterback, which I, th- I think that he is. And, you know, he, he still put up 807 yards over two games against Detroit. So that that's just, that's phenomenal numbers. Uh, you, we can ignore the six interceptions, maybe. Um, but, uh, you know, he also got four touchdowns as well. But, um, where the Vikings go forward, I mean, they shot themselves in the foot with Dalvin Cook, I think. Their run game was just annihilated. Uh, the man that they said was going to replace him as uh, running back number one, Alexander Madison, ended it as number two uh, in the year. So that worked an absolute beauty for them, of course. Um, who who would I say? Well, is, is Gardner Minshew a candidate? Uh, I mean, you're kind of getting... Uh, it would, I think it would be that... That would not turn out very well. I don't think that Vikings would be a good fit for him, for Garner Minshew. Um, so I th- I think they've got to go go big or go home in the quarterback slot. And if Kirk Cousins does uh, leave, then they need someone who's been in the the league a few years. I don't think that a, a, a you know a young rookie will be the answer for them. So I think they need to go for experience rather than rookie. Maybe they will do exactly that. Uh, General, we're going to move on and we come to the AFC South with the Jacksonville Jaguars who are taking on the Tennessee Titans. The Jaguars had a shot of winning the division here at Nissan Stadium in front of 63,744 fans. But they couldn't do it. The Titans come away with a 28-20 win to knock the Jaguars down to 9-8 and and out of the playoffs. Um, looking at some of the box scores here, Trevor Lawrence, two, 29 of 43 for 280 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Leading rusher, Travis Etienne, uh, 16 for 57. The leading receiver was Evan Engram, who had another great game, 10 for 79 and a touchdown. But Calvin Ridley had six for 106 and a touchdown, although he had a huge drop in this game. I say drop. 
the ball was I mean, he was really stretching for it, but it did hit him in the hands, and you have to expect to to make those plays. But in the last couple of plays, um, um, Trevor Lawrence just overthrew his receivers five yards over their heads. Uh, on the other side, Ryan Tannehill, 17 to 26, 168 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. That's bog standard Ryan Tannehill stats, really. Um, Derek Henry, in what many people are saying is his last game, or might be his last game as a Titan, 19 carries, 153 yards and a touchdown. Leading receiver uh, was DeAndre Hopkins, 7 catches, 46 yards and a touchdown. Um, Dave, we'll put it to you first. The Jacksonville Jaguars. They had their chances to win this game. They couldn't get it done. Um, And I am hearing some rumblings... Uh, not necessarily that anything's going to happen to Trevor. They're not going to get rid of Trevor Lawrence. We know that. Mm-hmm. But people thinking that maybe, maybe he's not all he might have cracked up to be coming out of college. I think that's premature. I think he still has some way to go. And he did maybe regress slightly this year. But you think a lot of that's got to do with the fact he was playing uh, a little bit hurt for some of the year. Um, didn't always have his receivers for every game, and some. But sometimes these plays at the end of games, where he needed to make a play, he wasn't able to do it. What do you think the Jaguars do going forward? Well, they they have reacted though because they fired about three quarters of the of the coaches at the at the franchise. So that was um, that that was interesting to see that um, everyone bar Doug Pearson seems to have lost their job there in Jacksonville. Um, Trevor Lawrence, yeah, I mean, I mean, their last kind of six games, they were one in five, so that that's not good enough to start. Um, but yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was below par, as below par as I've ever seen him. You're right, I think he has seriously regressed. Um, of I, I, I think, um, I, I think he tried to put too much on himself in almost every single game towards the end of the year. Um, I mean, they lost to the Bengals. Uh, they lost to the Browns. No shame. And they, they got hammered by the Ravens. They lost big to the Bucks, which was very concerning. And, you know, the three, the three before that, you can you sort of give a pass because they're, they're very good teams. Uh, the Bucks, not so much. And obviously they lost to the Titans as well, who had like... Well, we had Ryan Tannehill. That's that's enough right there. But um, that uh, that's about it. Um, where do they go from here? I think they need some fresh. They need some fresh blood, not just in the coaching staff, but also on the roster. Uh, I I just I I think Trevor Lawrence um needs that kind of wake up call in the preseason to get his head back into it because he started very well. I mean, at at one point, what were they? Six and two, seven they were, and two. They were eight and three, or seven and two, eight, eight and three. three. Yeah, and, and then absolute, they closed out season one and five. Yeah, they were but, absolutely uh, yeah. in control of this division, and they just couldn't get it. Yeah, done. and well, I, I, I mean, from what week five, week six, they were top. Mm-hmm. They were top of their division, mm-hmm. and then right up until last week, and then they just could not close it out. They just don't seem to be. Uh, well, I, I say that in the majority of games this year, that. Uh, the, the Jags and Trevor Lawrence have, you know, they've had the ability or they've had the opportunity to close out a game. They just haven't been able to get over that line. And that has to change or Trevor Lawrence's career as a starter within the league will be very short-lived. So 
I, I, he's, he's not living up to that first, first pick hype. Um, but you know how often we see it, and how often do we say it? It's not his fault he was picked first. The hype around him was not his fault. But he, should, he want, he wants to live up to it. But he's got to stop putting everything on his shoulders. And I think that's what he was doing with that that kind of one yard uh, run that he attempted. You know, to reach out and the Titans got him uh, was uh, was probably the biggest moment in the game, and they failed in that moment. I'm afraid to say that was a it was it was a strange call. I'll be honest, that, that was a very strange call. I didn't like yeah. it at all. Uh, Jake, over on the other side of the ball, the Tennessee Titans, we know Vrabel is gone. Mike, uh, Mike Vrabel mm. has been sacked by the Titans. Um, what do you think they're going to do? Do you think they're going to try and bring in a young coach? Maybe try and bring in someone else? Please don't be Pete Carroll. I can do my word. Um, <laughs> because the other thing is, Everyone, I, I, the general consensus is Derrick Henry's not going to be there next year. The main focal point of that offense, and I know they've got D-Hop, and I love DeAndre Hopkins. I still think he's one of the, talent-wise, one of the top five receivers in the NFL. When you're playing with Ryan Tannehill, it's quite difficult to, to showcase that, but what do you think about these Titans? I really think they've messed up. Um, I really don't understand what they're doing, and the Jaguars, um, briefly on them, um, I think they're, a lot of fans anyway, certainly want to change as high up as the, as the GM. Um, but for the Titans, they seem to completely want a different version of themselves. You know, King Henry, who got over 1,500 yards in 15 games. You know, He's averaging 100 yards a game, basically. He's still got plenty in the tank. I'm sure somebody uh, will pick him up uh, and add them to a it'll be a, a winning team I'll tell you that that he'll go to um, and get rid of Mike Vrabel who I think will not be unemployed for long and I think he, he will have his absolute pick of the litter in terms of what job he wants and there's more, more and more interesting jobs cropping up by the minute um, so for the Titans I really don't understand what they're doing and I, they've got a lot of cap space but the, their decisions as of late I mean they traded AJ Brown because they didn't want to pay him and then they drafted a wide receiver in the first round that has turned out to be a bust and then they paid DeAndre Hopkins more than anybody else was going to pay him a lot of their decisions have really confused me and no more than, than the Mike Vrabel one um, and then just kind of circling back to the Jags they like I said started 8-3 and three. they had a 99% chance to make the playoffs after week 12 they were in talks for being the you know the number one seed, and to have this kind of collapse is is crazy. And my kind of takeaway that I had maybe from this is is Christian Kirk underpaid because they are a completely different offense. It seems when he's not available, we we uh, all laughed at that contract when it happened, mm-hmm. and <laughs> he's proven his value to the team. Maybe maybe he's a, a system wide receiver. <laughs> maybe no, just, yeah, I mean, he's a system wide receiver. When when they when they signed Calvin Ridley, I thought I, you know I like Calvin Ridley, a good wide receiver. I know Jake was happy to get him out of the division there, um, and, and and Ridley did well for them. But Christian Kirk was Lawrence's number one target. You're absolutely right, Jake. Absolutely right, hundred percent. Yeah, and, and like I say, with, with Trent Bulky, the, the GM, we all said when the, the draft, he made a mistake and he kind of went for his idea of a player rather than who the best player was. 
they drafted Tank Bigsby. Um, they were at the one yard line. You know, you draft this kind of third down running back to to be a compliment to Travis uh, to, to ETN, and then you're not going to run it from one on the second. You know, you you need one yard on the second down, third down, or fourth down, and Tank Bigsby isn't in the game. You're not going to run. The, the guy that you've basically drafted it, again, but similar to the Titans, the kind of vision doesn't add up to what they're doing. Like the, the decisions don't add up. Um, so as worrying it is for the Titans, uh, and like I say, I'm very concerned for the Titans. For the Jaguars and, and Jaguars fans are also very concerned. Going, well, hold on, this isn't kind of what we expected, and it's certainly not the vision you, we were sold. So AFC South is. Uh, more wide open than I think anyone ever thought. Yeah, and you mentioned Vrabel there, of course. Uh, there's so many coaching jobs coming up. We've, you t- we've already mentioned Carolina, and there's the likes of Washington. We know already with San Diego. I keep San Diego. Uh, Los <laughs> Angeles Chargers, <laughs> uh, the Raiders. Uh, there's so many jobs up in the air there, and it might be a case of which, which one. Some, because we know, we all know, Jake, you're absolutely right. Vrabel is going to have a coaching job next year. It's just a case of where is he going to be. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Personally, I think Washington. I think I think I think Washington are going to do the dumb thing, and they're not going to elevate. Don't get me started on Washington. I, I, <laughs> listen, we can get to them later. I think they're going to be stupid, and they're going to uh, not elevate the enemy, as we all say they should. And I think they're going to take in a head coach, and I think they're going to look at Rabel as the number one guy. Um, speaking of coaches, who might be, well, we don't know yet, but we think. The New York Jets and the New England Patriots at Gillette Stadium, in front of 64,628 fans. And when we did our preview, a rapid-fire preview, I said the three things, guaranteeing life. Death taxes and Bill Belichick doing everything he can to absolutely hand it to the Jets. And he did try everything he could. And it wasn't enough as the Jets come away with a 17-3 win over the Patriots at Gillette Stadium. And I don't really know what to say about this. Bailey Zappi, 12 out of 30, 88 (sighs) yards, two interceptions. A rating of 20.1. He would literally to uh, paraphrase Jaguar Gator 9, have been better off spiking the ball on every single play. He would have been. Um, leading rusher, Ezekiel Elliott, 13 for 54. Uh, the leading receiver was Ezekiel Elliott, 5 for 27. That's not going to get it done. On the other side, Trevor Simeon, uh, 8 out of 20 for 70 yards. <laughs> Brees Hall had himself a day 37 carries 178 yards one touchdown leading receiver uh, take your pick you could have had Brees Hall Garrett Wilson or Tyler Conklin two catches each Garrett Wilson had th- most yards at 34 uh, this game was absolutely horrendous net passing yards combined combined for these two teams on this day 100 yards for both teams put together. We don't need to talk about the game because it was utter garbage. Uh, but Jake, I'm going to get you to view very quickly. Everyone's saying this was Belichick's possibly last game as a New England Patriot. Um, people are th- saying he's going to have, he still wants to coach. He's going to have his pick. 
please do not let it be the Raiders or the Chargers. Where do you think Bill Belichick might end up if he does indeed leave at the end of this year? Yeah, it was very strange because after this game, Bill Belichick scheduled a 7 a.m. press conference and you're thinking, okay, this is it. This is it. This is finally the end of it. And he basically came out and was just like, yeah, I'm still the coach. Uh, and if I if they don't, they don't want me to be the coach, they're gonna have to fire me. Uh, it's a, it's kind of hilarious. He's, he's basically telling um, Robert Kraft he's not gonna make it easy for him if he wants rid of him. Uh, he's gonna have to fire him. Um, and where he could end up, I mean, I'm seeing Falcons thrown about a lot, which I would hate, and also would find very weird hiring the coach that came back twenty eight to three. That that would bring back some bad memories for me. Um, if I was a Falcons fan, or you know, if I was in the Falcons building, but that, that's the one I'm seeing thrown about the most. And in terms of this game, um, like I say, it was a snow game. Um, Ezekiel Elliott was quoted before game. He always wanted to be playing a snow game. Uh, and he made that public like years and years ago. So after the game, he said, "Oh, so how was that? I was? Very- yeah, I could, I could do without it. Uh, I'm, I'm not in a rush to get to go back. <laughs> you didn't do <laughs> much. I was cracked up to me. Yeah, um, but the Patriots were one of fourteen on third down. Um, the Jets in a in a nothing game where Brees Hall last year went down very late in the season and missed a lot of this season. You know, kind of getting back into the swing of it to rush him thirty-seven times. Is it the smartest move in a nothing game? Not. To me, again, I don't agree with that decision. Um, I don't think it's the, a smart thing to do. Risk, you know, one of the, your best offensive weapons in a, in a nothing game. Um, bizarre, uh, but I, I do think at some point this off season it will be a new day in New England. They have the, the number three draft pick. They've obviously moved on from Tom Brady. It seems like the right kind of time to maybe get a clean start away from Bill Belichick, where he ends up. Who knows? Uh, and Dave, the New York Jets. Um, mm. Obviously, it didn't work out this year. Um, we know that they're probably going to have their quarterback that we don't like to talk about back for next year. Um, I don't know if you saw any of the... Uh, do you know There's no point in talking about Aiden Rodgers. There's none. <laughs> we would, this, this podcast would be five hours long if we were going to yeah. get into what Aiden Rodgers says on television, on the Pat McAfee show, on press conferences and all that stuff. But the, other than talking about the quarterback, the Jets have got a, still got a good young nucleus of players. Brees Hall, uh, as Jake rightly said, didn't get injured. Thank goodness for that. Uh, he's going to be good. They've got Garrett Wilson. They've got some good defensive players. They've got some good offensive players. The Jets have got a lot, a lot to look forward to going into next year if they can avoid the absolute circus that we absolutely know is going to be their off-season in 2024. Yes, and I would go as far to say that they have some of the best defensive players uh, in the league. I mean, look, look they've got the, the two Williams, Quincy and Quinnen. They, they're top, top players. Uh, obviously, Sauce Gardner, who none of us like and think he's just a fouling, getting away with fouling machine. Um. Yeah, they've got the pieces. They they don't obviously have any kind of uh, decent quarterback. Uh, I mean, Trevor Simeon and Zach Wilson. It's like you go out there. No, you go out there. You go out there. No, and they kind of do rock paper scissors, see who loses, and has to go out and play. I think that's pretty much the state of affairs. Uh, yeah, um, um, Zach has said he does not want the starting job. Don't blame he, him. He's publicly come out and said he does not want to start. 
So you're like, well, why are you playing in the league? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you know, it's I, I I don't know what what is what is he going to do now? Because uh, you know, he was second pick in the draft, and he's going to be a, 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 what out the league. It, it, it's entirely possible he could be out the league within the next eighteen months. And, it's, it's just nothing. Well, just yeah, done. I've, I've got no issue with that. I've got no issue with the Jets yeah. saying, do you know what? We drafted this guy. It didn't work. They did the same thing with Sam Darnold. We drafted this guy. Well, he was second overall as well, I think. Didn't work. Mm, yeah. Just ship him. Get shot of him. Zach Wilson does not want to play for the Jets. I don't well, know if any other teams would pick him up. I mean, what, do you, what do you think? Um, uh, no. <laughs> it's just no is, is probably the, as good as it gets. I mean, he, he, may, he could maybe um, go to like, a, a place like uh, Carolina um, to, I say, to back up Bryson Young, but uh, uh, maybe there's a, no, a there is no <laughs> way. There is no way the Panthers take on Zach Wilson because they had Darnold. They're not going to get They're not going to get it twice. twice by the Jets. They're, they're yeah, well, surely... it's, it's, it kind of worked. It worked out for Darnold, though, uh, you know, in the end, later in his career. Yeah, he, got, he got shipped. He was yeah, he went San to Carolina. Francisco. Yeah, because he went to a team that just went, hey, do you know what? As long as you don't turn the ball over, we'll be absolutely fine. Or, you know, in, in fairness, though, when, when Sam Darnold did arrive in San Francisco, who else was there? Trey Lance. Trey Lance number was there. Number uh, three, three, third overall he was the pick. Third. Was, was he not picked straight after? No. The, the, the Trey Lance situation is one that we never talk about because of Brock Purdy. I, yeah. You know, they, they gave up, I mean, they gave up a boatload to get Trey Lance. To trade up for Trey Lance, and and now it doesn't matter. It's like one of the mm. worst trades, one of the worst draft day trades in the history of the NFL. I honestly believe that what they gave up for Trey Lance, and it just it not, not ab- many GMs would have survived that. Oh, absolutely not! Absolutely not. They would. There's no chance you survive something like that. And yet, because of Brock Purdy, they came out unscathed and they were like oh that was a close one good grief how lucky did we get that this kid can actually play how lucky are we that mr irrelevant can actually play this offense the way we want our quarterback to play this offense because otherwise um the gm would have been fired coach would likely have been fired Uh, you know you're just you'd out if you can't you fluffed on a third overall pick. The Jets have fluffed on a second overall pick twice in the past, you know, half decade. So I, I, I don't know about these Jets, but uh, yeah, we're moving on. I can't stand the Jets. Anyway, mm. gentlemen, <laughs> going to the NFC North. Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field in front of 78,188 fans. All the Packers had to do was win. And they did. Did 17 to 9 against the Chicago Bears. Looking at the box score here, um, some of the uh, stats Justin Fields was 11 of 16 for 148 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked five times. Leading rusher Khalil Herbert, 12 for 28. Leading receiver on the team was DJ Moore, no surprises there, four catches, 64 yards. Uh, on the other side, Jordan Love had himself another great game. He went 27 of 32, 316 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, rating of 128.6. Aaron Jones, 
22 carries for 111 yards and Jaden Reed caught four catches for 112 yards. Their actual leading receiver uh, was Dontavion. It's such a weird spelling. Dontavion with a Y. Wicks. He actually caught six uh passes for 61 yards and two touchdowns in this game dave the green bay packers jordan love looked really good and i said this i don't know how many times i've said this this year jordan love oh when he when he was playing badly i thought thank goodness i'm so glad that he's playing badly so we don't need to go through another decade of great packers quarterback play and then the past four or five weeks he's looked fantastic and i look like an idiot and all the packers fans are like yeah look at you you're an idiot the packers are in the playoffs they might be a very dangerous team in the playoffs jordan love if he continues to play at the high level that he's been playing at what do you think of these Green Bay Packers? Uh, I'd, I'd rather not think about them. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's it's um, they finished the season really strongly, but considering their, I mean, they, I think the Packers also had uh, when closing out the season had one of the easiest uh, schedules because they, they, their last five games were against the Giants, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, and Bears. Um, so I think some of these teams made. John Love look a bit better than he is, but there's no doubt about it. He is still a good quarterback. So that's really painful, as you alluded to uh, majorly there. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're they're at the Cowboys. I I don't see them getting past the Cowboys. You 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 don't. Not many people go to Jerry World and come away with a win. Um, I mean, the, uh, this year the the Cowboys are undefeated. Uh, at home in Jerry World, and I don't see that changing. So, I mean, it was nice of them to get into the playoffs, but that's it. That's all that's going to happen. They're not. They're, nothing else is going to change. That's it. So we can finish to talk about Jordan Love. Uh, well, I mean, Dave's right. Jake. I don't think we can. <laughs> I, I, well, no, I, I was going to say, uh, Dave, Dave's right about the, the Jerry World thing, uh, but we can't stop talking about Jordan Love because it's terrifying. And uh, <laughs> uh, before we, before I get your thoughts on Jordan Love, Jake, uh, the Chicago Bears. Now they finished seven and ten. Um, Justin Fields didn't have his best game, uh, but he didn't play badly. Just didn't play particularly well. And uh, they've got the first pick in the draft. We we spoke about this last week. Going to keep on banging on about this because this might be one of the most intriguing drafts coming up in years. Because the Bears have this pick, and we have no idea what they're going to do. Uh, so before I get your views on Jordan Love, Jake, um, Chicago Bears, do you think they're going to hang with Justin Fields? It wasn't a great kind of final performance to put out there. Um, like mentioned, they've got the first overall pick, they've got the, the ninth overall pick as well, which is their own. Um, they've just fired their offensive coordinator and their QB coach. It's like I say, it's definitely. I really hope, in a weird, sadistic way, we don't find out for a while because this this could be one of the best kind of off seasons uh, after the uh, Super Bowl in terms of the draft and just the drama. It's just absolutely insane what could happen. Uh, the kind of treasure chest they could have and, and move down and still do. Um, do they just start afresh and try and trade fields? I mean, the options are are everywhere. 
Um, there is a positive for the Bears, though, um, and a, a really kind of maybe a bonus random stat. Uh, Montez Sweat, who they traded for, uh, it became the first player in NFL history to lead two different teams in sacks during the same season. Uh, so he had six and a half for the Commanders before he was traded, and then had six on the Bears, and sadly, that led both the teams. So they've already had one good trade, uh, and they've already given him uh, Sweat a contract. It, to me, though, firing the, the offensive coordinator and the QB coach... I wouldn't get too, co- you know, I, w- I would be looking at houses to buy if I was just in the fields. I, I just, I hope they hang on to him. If, I if think they, the fans want him. The, fan, well, the fans well, do want to Well, last week him. they definitely did. Yeah, I'm not so sure about this week <laughs> after they lost well, to the Packers. He, he didn't play badly, but he got sacked. I mean, the, the Green Bay pass rush was in the backfield more than the running backs were. It was yeah. relentless. An absolute assault on Justin Fields by that Green Bay pass rush. I really hope, I'm with you, Jake, I really hope that the Bears don't do anything until draft day and we're all sitting going, what are they going to do? Because what they should do, in my personal opinion, my humble opinion, they should trade down to the second or third, fourth, depends what the Cardinals are thinking, uh, Antique Marvin Hansen Jr., that's what they should do. Keep Justin Fields. You've already got DJ Moore. Get Marvin Harrison Jr. You've got Cole Komet. Weapons. And then spend the rest of the drafters beefing up the offensive line. That's what the Bears should do. They probably won't. We've got no idea. And I hope we don't find out. Uh, but very quickly, Jake. Uh, Jordan Love. <sighs> what can you say? Really? I mean, you can say a, a lot of things. 18 uh, touchdowns to one interception in the last eight weeks. Uh, just getting better and better. He's got an almost historically young receiving core. Um, the Packers themselves, based on average age, waited for the time. The playoffs are now the fifth youngest team since 1970 merger to make the playoffs. That's, they're also the youngest since 1977. Um, Matt is also 10-0 against the Bears. I mean, the Packers just one of the most consistent franchises because of the consistent quarterback play. And Aaron Jones went 22 for 111. That's three straight games of 100 plus. He's been non-existent all season, not been healthy. They're getting healthy at the right time. The wide receivers are so young and the tight ends are so young that they're getting better every, every week. Um, Do I think he'll carry on into the playoffs, go into... Jerry's world, like they've said, they've not lost at home this year. I don't think they lost at home last year because it's like 16 straight mm. uh, there. It's, it's certainly a huge task. And my main worry for the Bears is that they made Joe Barry, um, the Packers defensive coordinator, look good for a week, which is the first time in a very long time Joe Barry's looked even competent. Um, so I, I don't think they have enough to beat the Cowboys because I think the Cowboys are going to put probably 50 points up on Joe Barry. I mean, they might do. Um, I, I personally, I think that the Cowboys will also win that game, but it's going to be very interesting to see what happens um, over there in Jerry World and Wild Card Weekend. But, gentlemen, we are going to move on, and we come to the Seattle Seahawks, the aforementioned <laughs> Seattle Seahawks, the coachless Seattle Seahawks, and the Arizona Cardinals at State Farm Stadium in front of sixty-three thousand one hundred ninety-seven fans, and the Seahawks won this game. Because one of the best kickers in the history of the NFL missed two kicks. That, there you go. 
that that's it. That's all you that's need to know. Game. That's the game. Seattle won this one 21 to 20 over Arizona. A couple of the box scores here. Geno Smith was 16 of 28 for 189 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, leading rusher was Kenneth Walker, the third, 17 for 78 yards. Leading receiver was Tyler Lockett. Uh, uh, sorry, I beg your pardon. Um, the leading receiver was actually uh, Will Disley, three for 46 and a touchdown. But Tyler Lockett had two catches for 71 and a touchdown. He also had a two point conversion. And Kyler Murray, uh, on the other side, 22 of 30, 262 yards and a touchdown. James Conner had a huge game, 27 for 150 and a touchdown. Leading receiver was Michael Wilson, 6 for 95. But Trey McBride had 3 for 34 and a touchdown as well. Seahawks had no business winning this game and they won it because they're lucky, uh, as they have been for the past 11 years. Um, but it wasn't enough. Jake McGee. The Seahawks have fired their coach. <laughs> so that's good news. Um, but the Seahawks do have a lot to look forward to. I still don't think Geno's the answer to quarterback. Um, they have locked their way into half a dozen wins this year. They had no business having a winning record. But what do you think of these Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, I was uh, very glad all of a sudden that the Bears had lost because the, the Saints needed... The Bears to win and the Cardinals to win. And if we had lost out on the playoffs because Evergreen, oh. Matt oh. Prayer decided to miss from 51 to 43, I, I still would not have stopped being sick. I would not have been on the podcast. Um, it was insane. And James Conner, like you mentioned, had a, an absolute massive game. He topped 1,000 yards. That's why they were running him so hard. Uh, they were desperate for him to get 1,000 yards despite missing four games. I mean, this game, like you say, there is very little to say. There was one sack in the entire game. That's how, how poor of a, a game it was. And I think Seattle, even winning the game and having a, a winning season, if you want to call it that, well, like, yeah, we do need maybe a fresh start. And I think I've said for the last few years, Pete Carroll's an excellent college coach. Um, but if you look at a lot of his players in terms of the NFL, it works for like two, three seasons, but his message is very similar. And it works on young players and it gets them excited. But all these vets, after like four years, are like, listen, we've we've heard the same raw raw speech like four times. Like, we we get it, we get it. Um, so I think Seattle getting a fresh start certainly not a bad idea. Like I say, I don't know if there's good news for for Drew Locke and, and Juno Smith. I think if, um, th- there might be more change coming to Seattle. Uh, there likely will be. I think uh, Dave on the other side of the ball, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, they had an up-and-down season, of course, with Kyler missing a whole bunch of games. Um, but they did start to play... He did He did play well when he came in. Um, not the best of his career, but he, he's done okay for himself. They've still got some, some good players there in Arizona. And, of course, they've got a high draft pick, third, third overall, fourth overall in the draft. The Cardinals... Like that, yeah. Cardinals could really... Um, be, be looking at something next year depending on who they get in the draft see this is this was the one team that I think will draft Marvin Harrison Jr because they're the only team in that top three for who don't who do I don't think would even contemplate changing the quarterback position but do you think I'm wrong in that do you think they, they might consider uh moving on from Kyler I don't think so uh, no, they're, they're not going to move on from Kyler. Let's just say there's absolutely zero chance of that happening. Um, what I, I I mean, I was uh, speaking to you and, and I said, what if 
some uh, either second or third, uh, so the Commanders or the Patriots, they trade up for far, uh, to the first pick for Caleb Williams, and then the Bears then trade down again. The Cardinals move up to that pick and pick Marvin Harrison Jr. That would be an interesting draft night. Um, and I, th- I don't think it's outside the realms of possibility. So, yeah, watch this space. Uh, I he, he need he needs some weapons anyway. Does uh, Kyler James Connor's a very good running back? Kyler's a very good quarterback. Look at the re- receiving core. They've got Rondell Moore, who's all okay, but then you've got uh, not a whole lot else to be honest. That you, Greg you would just kind of yeah, well, hmm, yeah. Sometimes Greg Dorch, <laughs> but look, they, they've they've got they've got the odds man here and there, but. They just haven't got a team that can challenge for anything at this point, except for the number one pick. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Kyler got some sort of, um, what would you say, honor? No, just a little bit of respect back in the last few games of the season, you know, uh, running teams close and uh, getting a couple wins here and there. But their, their season was done from the get-go, I'm afraid to say, because because of Kyler's injury. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I have no sympathy whatsoever for the Cardinals, and they can rot at the bottom of that of, of our division for all I care. Um, but you know, you never know. The Seahawks could uh, join them uh, if all goes to plan from the from the point of view of the rest of the league. Um, but I just a, a little early bowl prediction. Next Se- Seahawks head coach Dan Quinn. Well, I mean, there you go. It's it's a possibility, of course. Um, yeah. We're going to move on, the gentlemen. We come to the Dallas Cowboys and Washington Commanders at FedEx Field in front of 63,645 fans who watched. Well, they watched the Cowboys absolutely spank the Commanders. Although the Commanders were <laughs> winning at one point. They were. They were 10-7 up. They were 10-7 up midway through the uh, second quarter. And then the Cowboys sort of turn it on. They score 38, 12, uh, they moved up to 12 and 5, of course, dropped the commanders down to 4 and 13, sealing their draft pick. And some of the box score here, Dak Prescott, 31 of 36 for 279 yards, four touchdowns, one pick. Cooper Rush came in through three of four for 30 yards. Uh, leading rusher was Tony Pollard, 17 for 70 and a touchdown. Leading receiver, C.D. Lamb, no shock there, 13 catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. On the other side of the ball, Sam Howell, went 19 for 27 153 yards and a touchdown um their leading rusher was uh, brian robinson jr he went nine for 25 and the leading receiver was teddy mclaurin six catches 56 yards not much to say about this this game went as a bit expected um dave i'll throw it over to you first the dallas cowboys they you know they they beat up on the the redskins as we expect the cowboys to do beat up on bad teams so I mean, nothing to say about this game, but as we've already alluded to, they do have their home playoff game versus the Packers. So what mm-hmm. do you think the Cowboys' chances are of finally, finally, after about 400 years, making an NFC Championship game? <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, I thought they're one of the, obviously, most fancied teams. And with the kind of massive demise of the Eagles in the last few weeks, uh, you you got to make them and the the other team uh, the the two favourites for the NFC. <laughs> but um, I mean, look, Dak is playing 
brilliant. You know, he had maybe one bad throw in this entire game, and the re- it, the rest was just brilliant. Uh, and CD Lamb right now is proving that he is one of the top receivers in the entire league. So if you you've got that, and then Tony Pollard did his bit as well. Uh, did they get to the NFC Championship game? You can't. You couldn't bet against them. I, I, I certainly wouldn't. Um, sadly, it looks like that if the Rams somehow do get past the Lions, that the most likely opponents are the Cowboys. So we don't want to see that. Um, but yeah, the, look, the, the Cowboys are on fire. This is their best chance in so, so long. And would you bet against them? I wouldn't. I, I certainly wouldn't. Um, but then look at look at their defense as well. We got Michael Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Stephon Gilmore. These are pretty good players, and you know they don't just have a really good offense; they've got a really good defense as well. And just to emphasize what they did uh, in this game, uh, Sam Howell, they the after his four sacks that the Cowboys racked up on him uh, was on so sacked sixty five times this season. So it's probably a lot less than the ninety that he was on for. <laughs> okay, didn't quite didn't quite make the the, the piece that we thought he was going to do. Uh, Jake, I'll throw it over to you. Um, obviously, I'll, I'll get your thoughts on the Cowboys as well. But the the Washington Commanders, uh, we know that Rivera's out. I know you've got thoughts on this, so why don't you just give us your quick cliff notes on the Washington Commanders, what they do, and then give us your opinion on the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. Okay, so yeah, with the, the um, Commanders. I mean, I think we all assumed, and I certainly beat the drum, that they, they got a huge coup in stealing Eric Bieniemy away from the Chiefs because he's been a head coach in waiting, and he took a sideways move to the commanders to be their offensive coordinator. So the only logical reason was we all knew Ron Rivera, even at the start of the year, probably wasn't going to make it uh, the entire season, or this would be his last season, uh, which obviously proved to be correct. So to the normal human brain, to me that made sense that Eric Bieniemy has gone to the commanders to be basically the head coach when they part ways with Rivera. Yet all the news coming out of everyone who they're interested in interviewing is outside the building, which to me raises an awful lot of questions. One, why did Eric Bieniemy take that job if he wasn't basically guaranteed to be the head coach, much like, you know, a Josh McDaniels kind of move. And, you know, to what's going on with the commanders, why when you have someone in the building who for many years has uh, gone for interviews or been talked up of a head coach, are you looking elsewhere? It's one of the really kind of confusing things to me at the moment. And I, I don't understand. I, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I'm one, asking my agent what, what the heck's going on. And two, I'm certainly not going to, be an offensive coordinator for a, a, a bad team under a new head coach when I could have just stayed at the Chiefs and got a possible ring. I mean, it, the whole situation is is a mess to me, and I know they're trying to change a lot of things um, surrounding Washington at the moment. After you know, post Dan Snyder, they're bringing in a guy that helped build the the Warriors dynasty in the NBA, and they're doing all sorts. And I I, I completely understand and respect what they're trying to do, but the, as far as the coaching decision, it's it's baffling to me at the moment. Uh, and then on the, the flip side for the Cowboys, I mean, kind of touched on it early with them being 16 in a row at home. Now, their only possible game on the road is the championship game. So in terms of can they be 
at the NFC Championship, well, if they carry on their home form, they they will be. There is no no doubt about it. So, you know, that is the expectation. And not many times will you see a head coach go into the playoffs and still be very much on the hot seat. If the, the Cowboys lose in the wild card, I think no matter what, he's fired. And even if they lose in the second round, I think he could be in trouble because I think the expectation is for Dallas to know more of maybe next year or how about them Cowboys. It's it's now or never. Um, like I say, they certainly have every chance to at least make the championship game. And part of me really wants to see a 49ers-Cowboys championship game because that's like historical. Mm, um, so that yeah. just feels right in, in one way. Um, but that is the expectation. You know, there is no... A lot of teams, you know, who get into the playoffs if they win a game or two. You know, the Texans, for example, if Texans win a game, that's that's fantastic. If the Cowboys win a game, that's like, yeah, what about next week? What about next week? And it's different expectations for America's team. Um, but just, I don't know how many coaches that could go twelve and five three years straight and still be very much, very firmly on the hot seat. I think it's it's. The fact that they've been basically saying, uh, we'll do it next year since 1995. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, and they have, because it, it's not like the Cowboys have sucked. They really haven't. At no point in the last sort of, well, I'm, I'm saying at no point, I'm sure there was various points, but um, at no point, like going into a season, we're like, oh, well, the Cowboys are going to be bottom of the division. You look at you look at the players that they've had and the um, the quarterbacks and running backs and receivers that they've had over the years. They've always been up there. They've always been there um, in or on the edge of the playoffs. Seemingly every I know it's not been every year, but seemingly every year they've been up there since the mid nineties. And eventually, Jerry's going to be like. Hang on a second. I took this team over in 1989. We went 1-15. Then we went, I forget what it was, 5-11 or 3-13, then 5-11, and then, you know, 8-8, eight and, eight, and then we made the Super Bowl. We won, it, won three Super Bowls in four years. And since then, they have done nothing. Because of the reality is, it doesn't matter how many times you make the playoffs. If you don't make the Super Bowl, it, it it doesn't matter. Eventually, the owner is going to get tired. And it's like, you know, it doesn't matter. You can't get us over the edge. So we're going to bring in someone new. You, you're 100% right, Jake. The, the hot seat is definitely there. If they don't at least make the championship game this year, I think Jerry Jones is going to be saying, right, do you know what? You're out. Next guy in. Because the talent's there. The players are there. If it's not the players, it's got to be the coach. And Jerry's not going to fight himself. We know that. So he's going to fire someone. It's likely to be the coach. But we're going to move on, gentlemen. <laughs> we come to Allegiant Stadium. Where the Denver Broncos took on the Las Vegas Raiders in front of 61,429 fans and did absolutely nothing as the Raiders beat them 27-14. to And Christian... Cooksy Raiders fan immediately jumps onto Facebook and is like, ha ha, we've beaten you eight games in a row. Now, I'd like Ouch. to point out, I'd like to point out that when the Broncos were absolutely annihilating the Raiders eight games in a row, I never said anything. 
because I'm a I'm a I'm a bigger man. Christian, if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening, Christian, I didn't see anything. Of course, I didn't know you back then. So I absolutely would have done if I'd known you back between sort of 2011, 2015, whenever it was. I forget. Anyway, point is, uh, the Raiders obliterated the Bronx in this one. This game, it was it was a 13-point win, but the Raiders totally dominated this game from start to finish. Um, looking at some of the, the box scores here, Jared Stidham for the Broncos, 20 of 34, 272 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He was sacked Five times should have been ten. Uh, Javante Williams leading rusher nine for thirty-two uh, yards and a touchdown. Leading receiver in this game was also Javante Williams, seven catches, forty-three yards. Although uh, Brandon Johnson did catch four for eighty-eight. Jerry Judy uh, actually looked not too bad, three catches, seventy-nine yards and a touchdown. When it doesn't matter, Jerry, that's two years in a row. You've looked good. When we're already out of the playoffs. Try doing that in week three. You know, or, or, or week one, or week eight, week nine. Leaving it to the last game of the season just isn't good enough. Um, on the other side of the ball, Aidan O'Connell, O'Connell, I beg your pardon, 20 of 31, 244 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo came in. He went zero of one, but that's okay. He's a very handsome guy. Samir White was the leading rusher, 25 carries for 112 yards. Um, uh, leading receiver was Trey Tucker. He had five for 79, although Jacoby Myers had three for 61 and a touchdown. And Devontae Adams had a five for 46 and a touchdown. As I say, it was a 13-point win for the Raiders. But this game wasn't close. The Broncos had no chance of winning this one whatsoever. I don't know what they're doing with the quarterback position. I have no idea if uh, Russell Wilson's even going to be there next year. They might hang on to him just because they're going to have to pay him anyway. So they might as well let him play. Um, I'm hearing rumblings about the Broncos potentially like signing a veteran free agent. And I don't want... I am sick of veteran free agents. Sick of them. We have had veteran free agents since 2017. It's never worked. I would rather the Broncos drafted five quarterbacks in each round this year and just let them have a shootout and just say, who's going to win, right? One of you guys. One of you guys. We've got a hit. Because the Broncos, as we all know, guys, the Broncos have been unable to draft quarterbacks. Best quarterback we ever drafted was Jay Cutler. Uh, unless, of course, <laughs> Tim Tebow. Hey, just saying, mm. you know. But the best quarterback we ever drafted, Jake Cutler. I mean, what does that tell you? And we've drafted an absolute ton of quarterbacks. We've traded for quarterbacks. Best quarterback we traded for, obviously. Well, actually, technically, John Elway and Peyton Manning traded for both of them. Um, but you're like, come on, it's not working. It's it's just not working. If we if we'd trade for, I don't know. I, I don't, Jimmy Garoppolo. I would. I just. I would just like no, no. We went from the whole Case Keenum thing, and the Teddy Bridgewater thing, and the Joe Flacco thing. And the Joe Flacco thing actually, right? Just goes to show you how bad our offensive coordinator was, because he looks like he's reborn in Cleveland. We had him like four years ago, and he looked like he was fifty. What's going on there? And sorry, guys, sorry. I kind of went off on one there. So um, just very quickly, 
very quickly. Uh, um, Jake, I'll put it to you first. I, I don't know if you even want to talk about the Broncos, but what do you think they will do? Uh, do you think they hang on to Russell Wilson? Do you think that they might look for someone in the draft? Or do you think they do the absolute worst thing they could possibly do and sign a veteran free agent? With uh, Russell Wilson, it's to be so publicly against him and so demeaning to him. And then this last week, the kind of uh, reparations being made already, whether it's to increase um, trade value or or mend bridges. I think it's far too late for that. Uh, like I say, one way or another, you're paying him next year. So it's certainly going to be interesting. Uh, I really don't know what you do, um, but Sean Payton, one way or another, is going to probably end up drafting some white guy from BYU who thinks is the next Taysom Hill, who's the next <laughs> Steve Young. So look forward to that. Um, and then as for the, the Raiders, I mean, Antonio Pierce has done everything he can in terms of an interim coach basically applying for the head coach. The fans absolutely love him. They were cheering for him at the end of the game. They were waiting for him before the game because they know the route he takes and they were all giving him hugs. I mean, he's done as much as he can. And you know, say you lost eight straight to Raiders. It's actually 10 in 11 and you've never won in Vegas. So I just thought I'd add that. Thanks, Jake. Um, Appreciate that, pal. <laughs> any, any time. That, that was <laughs> Just extra ammunition. Uh, Christian, I'm like, oh, did I, I didn't know that. I just realized this message to this guy here. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jake. No bother. There's no penalties by the Raiders in this game as well. They did that twice this season for the first time in franchise history. Uh, they're only the seventh team to do that since the 1960s and the first since the 2013 Patriots. And everyone knows the kind of long-standing beef uh, and history between the NFL and the Raiders. Um, so that is quite historic for the Raiders to, to go a game, let alone two in the same season, without a penalty. Yeah, there was a couple of holds that were missed by the ref, just saying that. Um. <laughs> I don't think it was going to help you, Some, somehow or not. And also, I, I would be amiss if I didn't mention Jacoby Myers, as you did. Two more touchdowns, yeah. ended with 71 receptions for 807. Uh, four rushing for 24, two passing for, for 12. He had a passing touchdown. He had two rushing touchdowns. He had eight receiving touchdowns. I mean, the Patriots could really use a guy like that. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yes, they could have done, but they didn't. Uh, Dave, speaking of the Raiders, um, as as Jake already mentioned, Antonio uh, Pierce should be the coach next year. But you and I both know the chances of the Raiders not hiring a big-name head coach are virtually zero. Um, personally, personally, I, I hate to see it happen. I think Bill Belichick might be a Raider next year. What do you think? Um, I I don't quite see it. I, I'm, I'm struggling to see it. Um, the, I mean, it was t- earlier on, maybe about four weeks ago, uh, when we were talking about Bill Belichick possibly leaving New England, um, online it was touted that um, because but Belichick has quite a few properties, shall we say, across uh, America. And two of those properties are in, well, one of them is in LA and one of them is in Washington. So that would say that there's more potential for there. I, I, I think the dude can buy a house anywhere he wants. I don't like oh, that's, <laughs> that's the true, fact that he, he has a house there. Yes, but he's got he, he's bought them in places that he wants. He, he likes being there, kind of thing. So I'm thinking if he wants to go to the West Coast, Chargers are prime 
prime place. I mean, he's uh, the, the Raiders is a bit of a gamble, pun intended. Um, <sighs> and then you've got one. <laughs> you've got what Washington, which you know, if you've got one of the, the sort of best defensive coaches ever, ever to coach the game, and then Eric Bieniemy on offense, that get a few personnel in onto that offense, and you know that that's a it's a pretty a pretty uh, frightening thing uh, to add another team uh, to that uh, NFC East. I had to think I think where the commanders were there for a second. Um, but just on the back of this game, I want to read you my favorite quote that came out. You don't have to. Uh, after, after this game. Oh, but I'm going to, oh, okay. uh, just just for you. Um, the, the quote is, I'm very confident that I can be the main guy for the Denver Broncos next year. I have no doubt of, no, no doubts about that. I'm going to continue to work as hard as possible. I'm excited for the opportunity for sure. That was Jarrett Stidham who said that. <laughs> so, I do, so if you want to call Jarrett Stidham that that veteran quarterback that that's going to step up, I mean, Jared I, Stid- I Jared Stidham. I've got nothing against Jarrett Stidham. He's just not a, a QB one in, in, no, in the NFL. She's not. No, he's not. It would be no, like having he's... honestly, like it would be like having Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, like, and do you know? Uh, do you know what? The, some, uh, something else came out as well. Uh, ben Denucci. We know about Ben Denucci. We do. Uh, he, he spent most of the season uh, on the practice squad mm-hmm. uh, of the Broncos. Um, he agreed on Monday on a futures contract uh, for next season as well. So expect to see him involved at some point next season. If so, our if our quarterbacks are Jared Stidham <laughs> and Ben Denucci going into the year, I I don't I don't know if I can handle that. That, I don't know you, if I can. Kind of, I feel like they they would end up that that's them just conceding that they're throwing See, in the towel. The, the, the thing is that Russell Wilson didn't play badly this year at all, but you know by any measure. But he took too many sacks, and yeah. there was times when he just missed wide open wide receivers. And I'm I I don't mean like you know he threw the ball like a yard, he had a yard. It was like. Guys who'd had no one within 10 yards when he just didn't see them. Jared Stidham. Uh, Cortland Sutton will go down in this game as having three drops, right? Mm. Three passes that hit him in the hands that he didn't catch. What won't go on the record is the fact that he had to contort his body because the ball was three yards behind him and he had to sort of try and leap in the opposite direction he was running in order to make it hit him in the hands because Jared Stidham was just inaccurate this entire game it's Jared Stidham is not the quarterback of the future for the Broncos Russell Wilson could still be the quarterback and and you know as I was saying to Jake there they're, they're paying him anyway so you would be as well if you're not going to draft a quarterback this year you'd be as well to just keep Russell Wilson and then you know maybe look at, at someone in the future you know another year down the line because I don't see Stidham is not an upgrade on Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson took way too many sacks, way too many sacks this year that he shouldn't have done. Do you know? Do you know who I would like to see as a Broncos quarterback? Because there's talk of free agents kicking around. Joe Flacco, behave yourself. <laughs> Already, we've been there, done it. Uh, I said I didn't want like a veteran, but there are two names that I would like. I I would take this guy, Kurt Cousins. Or Jameis Winston. Because at least with Jameis Winston, you know it's going to be exciting and fun to watch. Just saying, Jake. And, just saying. Yeah, and over to Jake. 
<laughs> any team when you're winning a game running victory formation is going to have PTSD as well. So mind games. I, listen, I would take, and I know Sean Payton would take Jameis. He'd be like, I can take this guy. He might throw some silly interceptions, 30 of them, but he might throw 40 incredible touchdowns. And I, at least it would be fun. The, I thought when the Broncos traded for Russell Wilson, I thought, you, you know, this is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. It has been anything but. It's been boring. It's been so many three and outs, so many sacks taken. And I'm just like, oh, my word. The, the last time the Broncos had a winning record, right? Was with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. They went nine and seven. Wow. In 2016. Trevor Simeon. I mean, the Broncos were better with Trevor Simeon than they were with Case Keenum, than they were with Joe Flacco, than they were with Drew Locke, than they were with Russell Wilson, than they were with Brandon Allen, than any of the other quarterbacks. And Brock, you know, Osweiler. <laughs> they were better off with Trevor Simeon and they traded him away if we'd hung on to Trevor Simeon he could still be a quarterback today it's, you know I'm just saying anyway gentlemen we're moving on because this podcast going to last years if I carry on we move on SoFi Stadium Kansas City Chiefs Los Angeles Chargers 68,274 fans watch this game and watch the Kansas City Chiefs eke out a 13-12 to victory with Harrison Butker and Cameron Dicker basically doing everything. Uh, although Mike Edwards had a 97-yard fumble return to open the scoring. Uh, some of the box scores here uh, for the Chargers. Easton Stick, 28-47, 250 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked three times. He was also the leading rusher for the Chargers. 13 attempts, 77 yards. Leading receiver was... Um, Austin Eckler, he had seven catches for 38 yards, although uh, Donald Perham also had five catches for 83. On the other side, Blaine Gabbert, who I thought retired like a decade ago, but he hasn't, he's still there. Blaine Gabbert, 15 of 30 for 154 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. Leading rusher was uh, LaMichael, LaMichael, LaMichael. I'm going for LaMichael, Pirine. Uh, 21 for 76 yards and the leading uh, receiver was Nicole Hardman he had 6 for 77 yards not much to talk about with regards to this game Chiefs were already in already locked up Chargers were already out uh, but Jake I'll throw it over to you very quickly because as we know Chargers head coaching uh, head coaching vac uh, vacancy is wide open there uh, over at the Chargers who do you think will be the main guy in the... Oh, I was going to say San Diego again. Good grief. In Los Angeles next year. What do you reckon? I mean, it, it, the Chargers, you look at their roster on like paper and you look at kind of what they could be. They've got a quirk, a, a dream job, but I think it said anything but, and I don't trust the Chargers to make a right decision. And I think the only name I've seen recently thrown out is their interviewing Leslie Frazier, um, obviously former head coach and it was the, the Bills defensive coordinator it's it's going to be an interesting one I mean they for the Chargers they lost five straight I think they lost eight of the last nine they scored no touchdown in the last ten quarters uh, they had seven losses by three or fewer points I mean the absolute misery for all six Chargers fans is 
you almost feel for them. I mean, Austin Eckler, I don't know what <laughs> happened to Austin Eckler this year. He just fell off a cliff. He what, 10 rushes for 11 yards and just way off the pace. And the only other note I had for this game was the Mike Edwards 97-yard uh, fumble return. Yeah. But I do wonder if LaMichael Pirine, is it spelled the same as Samadji? Is, is he related to, to Samadji? Do you know, I have got no idea. I've got no idea. I need to get you to lick that one out. Dave, find but out if Steve LaMichael Pirine is related to Samadji Pirine, please. Um. Yeah, that, you're, you're right, Jake. On paper, the Chargers have got so much talent. Offensively and defensively. Khalil Mack uh, and, uh, I mean, Derwin James. They've got so, so much in defense and offense. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. You're right, appeared to just fall off a cliff. But, you know, he's still a good player. And, of course, Justin Herbert was injured. We get that. We understand that. They missed, what, missed Mike Williams quite a bit this year, I think, uh, offensively. Um, Dave, we'll put it over to you. The Chiefs didn't have anything to do because they'd already locked everything up. They were playing, as I say, Blaine Gabbard. <laughs> Blaine Gabbard? Uh, they are playing Blaine Gabbard yes. and, uh, mm. they, you know, they, they did nothing in this game because they didn't have to do anything in this game. They won the game, but, you know, it was a battle of the kickers again. Um, the Chiefs, then in the playoffs, I asked you last week if you thought they could make a deep run. You said no. Um, so let's look forward. Assuming the Chiefs just get knocked out of the playoffs, you know, they lose to Baltimore, whether they make, whether they even get through the wild cards, whether they lose in the Super Bowl, don't care. Next year, surely something has to be done with this offense in Kansas City because it just, it was the difference, the difference between this offense over the past few years with B enemy and this year without has been huge. It has, but you know, you've also got uh, very, very little of any uh, competent wide receivers uh, in Kansas City this year. But you know, it was good to see uh, Samari P. Ryan's cousin, cousin, Perry. hey, yeah, cousin. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, this game was a nothing game. But look, look well, we may as well just move past that. But looking at each team, uh, the Chiefs. Uh, can, can they go on a deep? I still, I still would say no. Um, I don't think they'll get to the championship game in the AFC. Um, what, what, what can they do? Uh, they, they, well, they can't really trade up uh, for a wide receiver. There might be a couple of free agents available, but I think they need at least two. At least two. Um, they'll probably keep um, Rice and McCall Hardman. They need, a, a, I think, at least another two. Um, it's it's not See, been good enough. See, the thing is, though, I mean, I, I get I get what you're saying, but the reality is they didn't have that last year. <laughs> they didn't have like a star receiver last year at all, and they won the yeah, Super they Bowl. Were, they they weren't dropping the complete ridiculous passes that they have been this year, which Wh- then can be related back to things like maybe the offensive coordinator or the coaching. So it's that type of thing. So. Um, I, I think Andy. Well, I, I have noticed as well that Andy Reid has stopped um, being so. The communication with um, Patrick Mahomes has been a lot more limited this year than it has done in previous years. Remember when he was like a couple of years into the league, he would, after every drive he would sit down with Patrick Mahomes and discuss all the plays. Who should they be going to? What are, what are some of the tendencies of the defense? Those that that stopped now, um, and the the communication is very. 
yeah, very limited, I'd say. Plus, I think you've seen players like Travis Kelsey, players like Patrick Mahomes, the the frustrations that they're showing, they're they're very real, and they, you know, for for the fan base, they should be quite worrying as well because they're just there's it's obviously nowhere near uh, the the state of the Philadelphia situation, but there's something not right. It's a it's the the AFC version of Philadelphia. I, I would say, you know, a top team that at the come the end of the season are looking not even close to where we expected them to be. So it's an interesting one. And I mean, look what happened. What was the Super Bowl last year? The Eagles and the Chiefs, wasn't it? So it, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, and now look, both both these teams are having issues come the end of the next season. And that's that is a lovely segue, Dave, because we're going to MetLife Stadium for oh, Philadelphia okay. Eagles to go to the New York Giants in front of seventy five thousand seven hundred and forty fans. And you know, I had a feeling, I had a feeling the Giants might win this game, uh, and they did. They absolutely crushed the Eagles in this one, twenty seven to ten. They were actually up in this game. 24 to 3 in the fourth they were quarter. They, they were t- uh, 24 to uh, nil at oh, half time. 24 to well. nothing at half time. 24 to 3 uh, going into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And uh, look at that, some of the box scores here. Jalen Hurts, 7 of 16 for 55 yards and an interception. He then got banged up and Marcus Mariota came in, 13 of 20 for 148 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Leading rusher was Kenneth Gainwell, 7 rushes for 62 yards. Leading receiver was Quez Watkins, 8 catches, 93 yards and a touchdown. On the other side, Tyrod Taylor, 23 of 32, 297 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Um, leading rusher was Saquon Barkley, 18 of 46. Leading receiver, uh, three players actually tied with five catches. Wondale Robinson at five for 85. Uh, Darius Slayton, five for 62. And a touchdown. The Eagles were essentially in, I'm not going to say a must-win game because, you know, they were already in the playoffs, but they were trying mm. to increase their seed and they got absolutely tanked by the New York Giants. Uh, Dave, do the Eagles have any chance in the wild card? Because they looked horrendous. And who would have thought a 10-1, and this team would just be absolute, look like absolute garbage going into the playoffs? Yeah, and uh, it's not getting any better as well because obviously this was where uh, Aaron Rodgers had his Achilles injury and uh, AJ Brown went down injured in this game as well. And you were talking about uh, Jalen Hurts there it, with his fin- his middle finger, I think it was. It was pointing about six different directions, but I wasn't sure was that to the fans or was that just because it was injured? Um, so obviously we love the Eagles fan base. Um, not, but it's never dull with them. Um, what, what's going on in Philip Philly? Um I don't think anyone really knows. There's, there's, there's obviously no player unity. We've absolutely gone in on the leadership on the, the on the player side uh, because they they they've hung a couple of their players out to dry. There's been leaks coming from the team that uh, AJ Brown is one of the big dissenting voices, one of your best players uh, on offense. You've got uh, Jason Kelsey, uh, who's apparently taking a lead role in that. Uh, you've got Jalen Hurts, who was embarrassed uh, a few weeks ago, and they're hoping for a deep playoff run to get to the Super Bowl. 
absolutely not. This is not going. This is not going to happen uh, with the state of this. And to lose like that to the Giants in the last game of the season, when you're not resting anyone, that's ridiculous. You do that just that that should not happen. Um, but yeah, um, look, there was um, the Devontae Smith was unable to play. Darius Slay was unable to play. Um, DeAndre Swift unable to play. Uh, Fletcher Cox sat out, uh, which I thought was a bit interesting as well. Again, another big player. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know what 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 to make of this uh, this situation, this team. Um, but apart from that, yeah, the, uh, it's 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 an it's an interesting drama. <laughs> that that's the most I can say about it. Uh, am am I upset to see our NFC team struggling? That uh, you know could potentially uh, face the mighty LA Rams. Uh, no, not not one bit. But you know, we're, 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 don't don't look at me like that. We're we're, we're um, look look Philadelphia. They've the last couple of years they've had some really good times and yeah, positive developments. However, have they reached that peak where they're on the verge of falling off a cliff? I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks to find out. Uh, and Jake, so obviously the Eagles are playing the Buccaneers in the playoffs then. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'll get your thoughts on them. And the Giants, uh, Tyrod Taylor and Ben DiNucci both have played Daniel Jones this entire season. Not Ben DiNucci. Ben DiNucci. No, not Ben DiNucci. <laughs> Tommy get DeVito? mixed up with my Italian names. Oh. <laughs> Tommy DeVito. <laughs> I, 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 what, what? They both got Italian names. They both got Italian what names. Tom, Tommy DeVito for the Broncos for next season. No, you're all right. Um, <laughs> so they both had played Daniel Jones. Um, so, I mean, my goodness. What, what do the Giants do? And Because uh, we think they're going to hang on to Daniel Jones because of that huge contract. Uh, but then also we've got the Eagles... Taking on the Patriots, what chance have they got in the uh, wild card against the Buccaneers? What do you reckon, Jake? I mean, weeks and weeks ago with the Eagles, when they were ten and one, I think we all kind of said, and I certainly did, that they were a bit of a fraudulent ten and one. And then when the wheels started to come off, you know, one loss, they were kicking up fuss. Two loss, fans were losing their mind, and three losses, the players were losing their minds, and everything. And you're thinking at some point they'll get it right, and then. Last game of the season in a pretty much nothing game. They, they, if you know, if the Cowboys had somehow managed to screw it up, they, they could have won the division still. They, they play their starters against the sorry Giants and get embarrassed. It's, it started off as a bit of a joke that the Eagles were in decline, but I, I really, there's going to be a documentary on this. There really is. If they lose against the Bucks, the, 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 the NFC South participant, if they lose to that, Oh my days! There may be looting going on in Philadelphia. It's it's going to be insane. And the the defense for me, the absolute decline, especially of that front seven. I mean, we talked last year and even the start this year how stacked they are in that front seven, and just none of them look like they can be bothered at all. It's it's incredibly concerning. I mean, they they conceded 272 yards in the first half when they had all their starters in. It's not like they they got rolled over by the Giants because they were playing bums. They had their starters in and they were getting dog-walked by the Giants. I mean, that is concerning. And if they were playing anyone other than the book, 
Hawks, I would be very, very concerned for them. Um, I would love to see this bracket where Dave thinks they're playing the Eagles, the Rams play the Eagles at some point because yeah. that is a an inventive bracket to say the least. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, we'll get to if, that. Yeah, yeah, and then for the Giants, I mean, it's, it's certainly going to be a, a, an interesting offseason. I think they they do go back to Daniel Jones um, because, like I say, that that contract. They'll probably, I don't know if they'll hold on to Tyro Taylor because he'll probably get a backup job somewhere else, but they've got Tommy DeVito on a, on a contract. If, if I was the Giants and I wasn't tied to Daniel Jones, I would be trading for Justin Fields. That's what I would do. Uh, it makes perfect sense to do that because, let's be honest, anything's going to be an upgrade over Daniel Jones. Anything will be an upgrade. Um, moving on, we come to Levi Stadium, <laughs> Los Angeles Rams took on San Francisco's D team um, uh, in front of 71,624 fans. Uh, and the Rams come away with a 21 to 20 win to move themselves up to 10 and 7 for that wild card spot. And uh, a look at the box score. Carson Wentz played for the Rams. He started this game 17 to 24 for 163 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. He was also the leading rusher with 17 attempts of 56 yards and a touchdown. Leading receiver was Pukanakua. No surprises there. Four for 41 and one touchdown. On the other side, Sam Darnold was the quarterback for the 49ers. 16 to 26, 189 yards, one touchdown. Leading rusher was Elijah Mitchell, uh, 14 for 52. And the leading receiver was, uh, well, actually, tied up Ray Ray McLeod and Chris Conley both had three catches in this one Conley had 69 yards Ray Ray McLeod had 22 the Rams come away with a win in this one uh Jake will put it to you first um obviously we know the 49ers uh rested a few of the starters uh the Rams rested Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup in this one as well they weren't playing in this game uh Rams sneak a win but we're going to be looking at the playoffs. Not much to do because so many starters on both sides were, weren't playing. Um, so, 49ers, we know, are the number one seed. They've got the first round by. The Rams have their playoff spot. They're playing the Detroit Lions. What are you looking for for both of these teams in the postseason? I think for the postseason, the Rams here, you know, you can say it was, you know, backups against backups and a nothing game. The Rams, it, it wasn't a nothing game as far as I'm concerned because. They moved from the, the number seven, which they were they were locked into at worst. Um, they moved up to the number six, and that means instead of going away to Dallas, the, the aforementioned Jerry's World, they now get a very interesting trip up to Detroit um, with some old friends um, there, and that really is a, a spicy matchup. Um, so for the Rams, I, I would not be surprised if they really give the Lions a, a lot of trouble. Like I mentioned earlier, the, the Lions' defense has been a bit porous, uh, and the Rams' offense is is great. And and you know if you've got Matthew Stafford healed up and and rested, you've got Cooper Cup, you've got Puka, uh, who the, one of my favorite moments is Sean McVay. The second, because they kept Puka in the game until like the third quarter because he was chasing the rookie record. The second he got the catch, he's like clapped once and he's like, get him out there. Get him out. Like immediately wrap him up in, in cotton wool. He doesn't see the field again. And I mean, focusing on the game slightly, the lead rusher of the entire game being Carson Wentz is just <laughs> criminal. Absolutely criminal. Um, but I did have a bit of alliteration. I like my, my uh, alliteration. So I had Turbo Tuto at uh, Turbo Tutu two point to win it 
um, was was fascinating <laughs> to me. And it was, like I say, it wasn't a nothing game. Um, it meant something to the Rams, and I think it was a, a very good victory for them to have. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to to their game against Detroit, just for, obviously for the the storyline. But I also think it's going to be probably the most hotly contested game in the entire kind of super wild card. It may very well be now, Dave. I'm going to throw it over to you for your Rams because uh, I was talking to you, and, and as I said, <laughs> as he'd already mentioned, uh, the Vikings quarterback put up over three million yards on them in two games. Uh, he is mm. terrified. You are as terrified that Matthew Stafford is just going to have like an all-time game against his Detroit Lions defense. As Jake mentioned, the Lions defense hasn't been great. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson's been the one exception. He has been outstanding for that uh, Detroit defense, but he can't do it by himself. Your Rams, they win this game. They move up a spot. They're taking on the Lions instead of the Cowboys. How far can your Rams go in the playoffs? And what did you think of this game? Well, this game... Um, that last week you said that they were just going to the point I was going to pick random people up off the street and show them out against the Rams in this game. That did not happen because yes, they rested a few players. Those players were Brock Purdy, pointless resting anyway. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> they did rest him. They rested uh, Dre Greenlaw and. For about three quarters of the game, they rested Fred Warner. The rest, uh, uh, oh, and um, probably George John Hargrave. Kittle. George Kittle as well. That's it. Uh, they also rested at, um, the the cornerback, whose name I've forgotten, and their safety. <laughs> you got to remember, through, this uh, entire, was, was through the entire game, every single time, it was like, that's an interception. He was just taken in from the practice squad. That's this man's first nope. sack in his first ever game for the 49ers. It was, don't try and downplay it, Dave. No, no, no. The 49ers right. rested a ton of players in this one. Who who did Pukunakua score the t- his touchdown over? Hey, I think that was Chavarius Ch- Ch- I can never say his first name. Chavarius Chavarius. Right. Who did play in this game? Nick Bosa. Who did play in this game? Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk. They were all there. They, they were, except from a couple that I did name, about five, maybe six. Out of the entire I, roster, I, I that they love rested. that Dave's getting really heated about this. Thinking, I, the, I, I knew know, just... this was going to happen. They could not afford to rest every single one of their starters against their closest divisional rival. Well, they could uh, it, because it just, they already it, had the number one seed locked up. But they weren't going to because <laughs> they, they knew what it meant to the fan base. They knew what it meant to the fan base. And what, what was it that derailed them? Carson Wentz, of all people, that derailed yes. this organization? I mean, it was... Did it derail the organization? What are you know. talking it's, about? It's just, for one day, that do you organization think, Do you honestly that? think there's a single one, one 49er fan on the planet who watched this game and went, oh, no, our season's been derailed? Uh, well, there was one uh, certain 49 that went viral on um, on t- X-Witter, X- X-Twitter Twix. Uh, this week. Yeah, yeah, Twix. We'll go for Twix on that one. Uh, that uh, went viral. Uh, it, it was a lady, and uh, the abuse that she was hurling at the Rams fans because her team was losing was quite comical. Well, I so, can't. yes, I, I found one. I could not possibly <laughs> speak for the fear of sex. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look... Um, 
Oh, you know, obviously, it, it, like Jake said, it wasn't a complete nothing game. The the Rams have sewn up the sixth seed instead of the seventh. Considering what we expect at the beginning of the season, this this is a huge season for us. Um, you know, we they've got records left, right, and center, which we may come up come upon later. Um, Carson wins, obviously, uh, just a, an amazing game from a backup quarterback, which I hope he stays as a quarterback, a uh, backup quarterback for next season. Uh, if you want a backup, uh, a veteran free agent, um, for the Broncos for next year, uh, I should strongly suggest picking up some draft picks. And I wouldn't take Carson Wentz if he's the <laughs> last man on earth. The man is an absolute disgusting human being and there's no way I would ever want Carson Wentz on my team. Just I mean, in fairness, not. neither do I. But, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a good player all the same. But, Heck of uh, a runner. Yeah, hey, apparently so. <laughs> he was the best, best runner on the field. <laughs> on the entire field, yes. And, uh, you know, even even got his rushing touchdown just to top it off. Rushing touchdown, two passing touchdowns. Um you know, it, it was a nice surprise to see what he was, what he's still capable of. Um, but yeah, the, the, this game, uh, look, it's done dusted. Uh, it's been a while since we've actually beaten the Foreign Islands in the regular season. We tend to beat it, beat them when it really matters. But that's uh, that's by the by. We don't need to go into that right now. Um, against Detroit, Ewan says he's terrified. David also says he's terrified. I have no idea what's going to happen um, because. Uh, Goff, you you don't know what's going to happen. Stafford's, well, you know what's going to happen with Stafford, but uh, Sean McVay, you, you're not quite sure what's going to happen <laughs> with him. Um, the Rams did also rest some players, though. Uh, obviously, Stafford was out. Kevin Williams uh, was rested. Uh, Cooper Cup was rested. Aaron Donald, we forget, was rested. Um, another another year with him being uh, an, an All Pro. Uh, all, well, surprise, surprise. He didn't have the best box scores, but he, that's what happens when you're triple teamed every single game. Um, yeah, it, it it was quite refreshing to see a very young Rams team uh, getting it done. And do you know what else was refreshing? Lucas Haversick was not kicking. That was lovely to see. <laughs> <laughs> Even Brett, Brett Maher coming onto the side and me having a smile on my face. That was that, that should be a picture that will be remembered how for the did he, How did Brett Maher do this game, Dave? He had uh, one extra point and then he missed the other one. But we don't really need to concentrate yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah. Also, did, uh, did, uh, did Dick Moody not also miss our field goal as well? Did he not dunk one? He did. Uh, yes, he did. He did indeed. There's no need to bring the Jakes into this, Neil. There's no need to. Bring so, so, sorry, Jake. I do apologize. He, mi- he missed. <laughs> he missed one, and he doinked another. So that that was um, that was quite nice and refreshing to see. But uh, yeah, look, um, well, we we saw appearance from Nick Bosa. We saw appearance from Fred Warner. So don't completely down this play. Uh, this game. <laughs> like and, Nick uh, Bosa played like one snap. <laughs> it's like it's an appearance from him. Good like, grief. No, no, no. Did, it was did, did literally he... an appearance. I was like, "Hello, I'm Nick Bosa. Remember me? I'm you, back you know, on the sidelines now." No, there wasn't. There was one interesting person on the the field for the Foreign Irish, though, and that is Sebastian Joseph Day. Now, do you remember at the start of the season he left the Rams to go to the Chargers? Now, I'm pretty sure he signed something like a three year, multi million dollar deal. I can't remember the exact uh, sum. But he's been let go by the Chargers already, and now he's playing for the 49ers, which is very weird and interesting. Um, but yeah, that, that's a 
So, sorry to interrupt you, Dave. Speaking uh, of yeah. that, did we not see that Dalvin Cook was released by the Jets? Yes, oh, he was definitely going to be. Who picked him up now? The Ravens. <laughs> the Ravens. Because oh, you know no. what the Ravens need? is <laughs> a little bit more depth in the backfield. That's what the yeah, Ravens that's exactly, like. Yeah, grief. Three-time Pro Bowl in the backfield. Oh, all right, nice one, Baltimore. Uh, gentlemen, we're going to move on. Final game. Final game. Oh, the regular season, Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins, the Sunday night game for the mm. battle for the AFC East. Whoever wins, wins the division. And whoever loses goes right down to the sixth, sixth seed. I think it was, I forget now. And the Buffalo Bills come away with a 21-14 victory at Hard Rock Stadium in front of 66,292 fans. Looking at the box score in this one, Josh Allen went 30 of 38, 359 yards, two touchdowns, but he did have two interceptions. He was also leading rusher, 15 carries for 67 yards. Leading receiver was Khalil Shakir, who had six catches for 105 yards. So Stefan Diggs and Dalton Tink. Dalton Kincaid both had seven catches apiece. Uh, for the Dolphins, two hour went 17 to 27, 173 yards, one touchdown, uh, two interceptions. Leading rusher was Devon Achan, 10 for 56. Leading receiver Tyreek Hill, 7 for 82 yards. And a touchdown. The Buffalo Bills win the AFC East. I'm going to be honest, quite surprised about that. But Dave, throw it over to you. They do that. That gives them a much more favourable playoff um, uh, uh, playoff matchup than it does the mm. Dolphins because the Bills now, they are actually going to be playing uh, at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers as opposed to the Dolphins who are away to Kansas City. The Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins, what do you make of these two teams in the postseason? Uh, the Dolphins kind of continued their majority trained of turning up against the big teams and not getting the job done. I think they, they, well, they did it once maybe against the Cowboys uh, and that, that was that was it. Um, but Buffalo, Josh Allen, apart from um, maybe one, two plays at the, uh, well, yeah, he had the two picks in the game. So that was, that was his only kind of uh, bad things. But honestly, some of the plays this guy was doing was just amazing. Uh, uh, some of the throws and the ability to, uh, make the throws, changing the arm angles and finding receivers that he had just no business finding was the the difference in this game. Um, I, I I'll be honest. I felt it because of this game being late and obviously need to go to the work uh, next day. Uh, I fell asleep and it was um, yeah. Well, I was getting coming up to the end of the third quarter and it was fourteen seven to the Dolphins and I thought, look, one field goal and I make them heavy heavy favourites. So. Uh, imagine my surprise when I checked in the morning and the Bills had come away with the win with two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So what did I make? Uh, the Bills are coming right again at the right time. The Dolphins, they're not going down. They're just kind of stagnating a little bit. Um, obviously, they're, they're sp it's speed. Speed is their, their biggest weapon, and it's what they rely on. Um, Tua did not have the best game. Uh, for him, he was he was um, making some slight questionable decisions at times. Uh, the 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 running back unit of Miami is still very vicious and not to be underestimated whatsoever. Despite I'm like Tyreek Hill, 
uh, and the like there. Um, it was a weird sight seeing Chase Claypool on the field for Miami. I don't know what he's doing there, why why he's even involved there. Um, but you know, it, it was you know, Dawson Knox and Dawson Kincaid at tight ends ma- uh, making massive contributions to the Bills. Uh, Stefan Diggs uh, had seven receptions. Khalil Shakir had seven recep- uh, six receptions. Sorry. Um, uh, you know, he had uh, James Cook and Leonard Fournette. Uh, again, uh, Leonard Fournette made a few appearances, but he couldn't, they couldn't get that much done in the running game, aside from Josh Allen taking off every so often. When, one, when the running game doesn't work for Buffalo, the passing game seems to, and that's what gets them across the line in a lot of these games. Um, with Miami, it tends to be, but when the passing game doesn't work, they struggle in games. Uh, so obviously, the, the, between Jeff Wilson... And is it, it's A-Chain? It is A-Chain, isn't it? A-Chan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, A-Chan. A-Chan. Okay. Devonny, uh, yeah, Devonny Chan and uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. They racked up uh, 100 yards between them, but they still only scored 14 points. So when the passing game in Miami doesn't work, then they're in big trouble. So uh, despite Tyreek Hill still getting 82 yards, um, they, could, they just couldn't get it done. So Worrying a little bit for the Dolphins, but the Bills somehow are like the second seed now. Are they the second or the third seed? I think they're second. Yeah, they're second seed. So they, that's why they play the Steelers who are seventh. So uh, the Bills have really put themselves in a position where they could go on a deep run at least. Uh, and Jake, throwing it over to you, obviously the Miami Dolphins, um, as Dave mentioned, they have kind of stagnated from what they were early in the season. But on any given Sunday, because there is the playoffs. The Dolphins, you know, they they can beat anyone. What do you fancy their chances against Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, it all depends. I think Dave raised a good point with most uh, leading that Russian attack missed was was huge. Uh, Jalen Waddle, um, not there, huge. They cannot keep edge rushes healthy to save their life. They've signed like three off the street today, um, just hoping something sticks because I think they had like one healthy edge rusher um, by the end of this game. This was really a game of two two halves. The, the Dolphins absolutely no-showed the second half. They had four punts and an interception, less than 50 yards in total. Um, and for the Bills, it was kind of, obviously, uh, the op- the polar opposites. I mean, Allen threw two end-zone picks in the, in the first half. They had three starters go down injured, and you're just thinking, wow, it's just not the, the Bills game. They really pulled it together in, in the second half, especially the defense and the special teams. They played their parts. And they won five straight to, to wrap up the, the AFC East and uh, wrap up with a RAPP for, for anyone. Uh, but to, to sweep Miami and, and, and get the number two seed when, you know, five, six weeks ago, you, it was, they might not even make the playoffs. You know, they're getting written off and now they're the number two seed. I mean, they're certainly flying high. They're playing the Steelers who don't have TJ Watt. I mean, it's it's all looking up for the Bills. I wouldn't write Miami off though. The, the Kansas State Chiefs are not the, the Chiefs of the last two three years. Um, this year, anyway, um, I wouldn't say you, you rule out the Dolphins. It's certainly a, a much tougher game for them. Um, and sadly, this year the record speaks against them when it, in terms of big games. But they can use this all as motivation. They they know they will know this. Um, it is well documented. 
if they have Moster and Wardle back and if some of these random edge rushers they're picking up off the streets, I think it was Justin Houston, maybe Bruce Irvin, a lot of these older kind of veterans that mm. are just like literally somebody, please help us out. Yeah. Because um, inju- injuries for both these teams have been brutal. Melvin Ingram being one as well? That one, yeah. They're just hoping that somebody can come in and help them out. And I mean, it's 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 a tough ask going up to Arrowhead. Um, but like I say, the Chiefs, I mean, the Dolphins' defensive backs are great and the Chiefs don't have any wide receivers. So <laughs> if they can get to Mahomes, they'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but it's just if they can get to Mahomes, they need to be able to put him off. Yeah. So, gentlemen, that wraps up our final recap of the regular season for the 2023 forward slash 2024 season oh my word this podcast is going on for an awful long time guys we're gonna we're gonna immediately jump in with our players of the week offensive player of the week jake mcgee who do you have you know what i struggled with this and i and i am notoriously the least bias so screw it i'm gonna Derek carr 22 and 28 264 yards four touchdowns a passer rating of 145.5 um he's bought himself a bit of time i think um even with our poor schedule and who we played he certainly improved and he was hurt a lot at the start of the year uh, so a lot of the saints focus has gone to dennis Allen, not Derek carr so you know what? i'll i'll end the year positively from a saints perspective Quite right, quite right. I'm going for Nico Collins over in Houston. There nine catches, 195 yards, one touchdown for that huge win over Indianapolis to get them into the playoffs. Uh, Dave, who do you have for your offensive player of the week? Uh, Carson Wentz. Lead rusher and of the entire game, Carson Wentz, and I won't be taking further questions or comments. Seriously, is that actually your offensive player of the week? Offensive player of the week, Carson Wentz. Sometimes, Jake, I don't think he takes this very seriously. I've got to be honest. Defensive player of the week, Jake McGee. Here we go. You're going to notice a pattern here. I've I've gone very biased this entire um, unit. And you'll see, this one might not make sense, but Antoine Winfield Jr., a buccaneer, and you're saying, why are you going biased? Well, I've been banging a drum for this man for a while. And I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a little bit. Uh, but five tackles, had a sack, had a tackle loss. The DJ Chark fumble was caused by him. An actually fantastic play uh, and a great player. Yeah. Uh, I've gone for Bryce Huff over at, uh, for the Jets there. Uh, you only had two tackles. We had two sacks, and they were both absolutely massive sacks. And keeping New England down to three points, Bryce Huff was a huge part of that. So I've given it to Bryce Huff. Dave, what about yourself? Uh, I've gone for Xavier McKinney uh, of the Giants, who mm-hmm. had a massive game against the Eagles. Um, and he, he had uh, a coverage rating of 95.5 in Week 18, which was way above uh, defensive back. So, yeah, a positive way for the Giants to end their season. Um, finally, we come to a defensive forward slash uh, special teams pl- uh, player slash unit of the week. Uh, Jake McGee, who do you have? I went a former Saint. Again, being very biased this week. Quite right. Deontay Harty, one for 96 on punt returns, but it completely changed the game. In fact, it completely changed an entire division. It won the AFC East, and it was electric. 
it was indeed, and I've gone for the exact same guy. No, no argument there. It was a huge, absolutely monster play that changed everything about the playoff picture. Uh, Dave, what about yourself? Any any argument there? Full house. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Deontay Harty, just like Jake said, it changed the entire game and basically electrified the season for the Bills at the right time. So well done, Deontay Harty. There we go. And that wraps up up our player of the week, gentlemen. Our rapid fire <laughs> wildcard preview. We start on the Saturday game, Cleveland at Houston. I'm taking Houston at home. I think they make Ooh. it to the divisional round. And I think they do it in an absolute nail biter. 19 to 17 with a last minute field goal. Houston over Cleveland. Yeah, this one this one tore me apart. I've obviously become a Texans fan, uh, but I was on the Browns defense the entire year, and my heart says Texans, my head says Browns. I've gone with my heart. I've gone Texans 20 to 19. I am going for a tie. <laughs> that, that's not possible. <laughs> Nine overtimes and they just give yeah. up. Yep, absolutely. But I'm going to say there is going to be a score in overtime. And it's going to the Texans. The Texans are going to have a, a field goal. And it's going to be 22 points to 19. A clean sweep for the Texans. Oh, my word. What have we done? Ominous. That's very nice. Yeah, well, yeah, we know who's winning now. It's not the Texans. <laughs> we then have the Miami Dolphins at Kansas City. And I'm taking the Chiefs at home. But it's going to be another close one. It's going to be 24-23 to Kansas City. Yeah, I've, I've because of what I mentioned earlier, I don't think the Dolphins can get to my homes and that is a big problem um so i've picked the chiefs 30 to 27 uh so i really don't know uh, I've, I've really struggled with this one but i'm gonna pick the dolphins i think the dolphins will just do enough i think the chiefs yeah i, I agree with 100 percent with everything that's been said that they will struggle the dolphins will struggle to get to my homes um but I, I just think the Dolphins will do just enough. So I've gone for 31 points to 27 to the Dolphins. Then I have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. No problem for the Bills in my mind in this one. They're going to win this one by 30 points to 19. Yeah, this is the one that uh, I think I found the easiest. I've the Bills 24 to 13. Uh, I, I've gone for a Bills win, but I, think, I actually think it's going to be a lot closer um, because... Purely Mike Tomlin is Mike Tomlin, and yeah, we we, we know what he's capable of. Um, there there has been questions about Najee Harris as well, um, and the Bills were uh, they they also had a few people that went down in, in the Miami game. Uh, one of the notable ones was uh, Razul Douglas, who we were raving about a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that could be an issue, but I'm still picking the Bills. Uh, I'm going to take them by 24 points to 17. We then have the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. At the Dallas Cowboys, I should say. I'm taking the Cowboys. It's a Jerry World. They're going to win this one by a score of 30 to 13. Big win. Oh, I've got it much closer. I think the Packers have come on so well. 
but ultimately they will come up short because, like you mentioned, it's at Jerry's World. So the Cowboys win 27 to 24. Ooh, I've also got 24 for the Packers, but I've got 34 to the Cowboys. I just, I, I just don't see the Packers getting anything close to the Cowboys in this. Despite the leaps and bounds, Cowboys win in Jerry World. We then have the game between the Los Angeles Rams and the Detroit Lions. And I'm going to tell you the score first. Because one of these teams is going to win huge. Massively. Oh, no. <laughs> 45 to 26. The only problem is I don't know which team. So I'm calling it right now, Dave. Your Los Angeles Rams are going to win 45 to 26 <laughs> against the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I, I believe in you, and I think Stafford's going to throw for like a thousand yards and six touchdowns in this game. Well, I'll tell you my score. My score is a nail biter because I very much did not know who to pick with this game. I think this is the most interesting game of the entire playoffs this weekend. I've gone 31 to 28. It's the Jared Goff revenge game. I picked the Lions. Come on, Dave. Well, as Nielsen will be able to see, I have a certain new little Funko Pop (laughs) that arrived in the last few days. Matthew Stafford Funko Pop. Matthew Stafford Funko Pop. And that is a sign that he is going to do the business. But, as we know with the Rams... They are bad for my health. In every single way, shape, and form, the Rams are bad for my health. But they're going to win. They're going to come back from a deficit. And they are going to win in the fourth quarter by 31 points to 30. Jared Goff falls short yet again. Rams We then have the Philadelphia Eagles in the final game of Super Wildcard Weekend at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think, I think the Bucs win. I think the Eagles just absolutely, they, they were so bad against New York. They were so bad. And I think it's going to be a low scoring, bad game. And the Buccaneers are going to win this one 16 to 13. I mean, I said it last week, and I'll say it again this week. You know, how, how low is rock bottom? Surely the skid has to stop. <laughs> they are far too talented for this to happen, so I can't pick the books in good faith as an NFC South painful watcher. I cannot I cannot put myself through this. So I've picked <laughs> the Eagles 27-16. to 16. Surely they have a get-right game. Surely. Well, 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 this is just one of those games that none of us have any idea about whatsoever, which is pretty much true for all the games. That's been every weekend. prediction we've ever done. Every single none one. None of us have had a clue of it. Yeah, well, that's very true. Um, I'm going for the Bucks. Hmm. I'm going for the Bucks hmm. just because the Eagles are so bad right now. And... Do you know what I, I I we're along the same lines, you know, so I I'm I'm picking the Bucks um nineteen to seventeen. I just think that it's gonna be a field goal fest for the Bucks and the Eagles are just gonna be three and out in far too much. Yeah. And that gentleman wraps up a rapid fire super wildcard weekend preview. 
So we've got time for one final segment. And it is, of course... Random stats. Random stats. Random stats. Yeah. Um, so, Jake, would you like to go first for random stats or do you want me to do it? I have no problem leading us off if you would like me to. On you go, Jake. Well, my random stat um, had changed briefly before the um, podcast because the all-pro selection had not been released. And it was going to be a bit of a hot take about how the Pro Bowl is irrelevant, uh, even though it can affect things such as your Hall of Fame resume, but at least the all-pro would get it right. Well, the all-pro didn't get it right. Um, So I'll read off some stats here about a player. Uh, Since Fumble Data started, there is one player who has at least 100 tackles, five sacks, five uh, forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries, and three interceptions in a single season. This person was not selected to the Pro Bowl, which is done before week 18. So week 18, after being snubbed for the Pro Bowl, he added a further sack and another forced fumble, which made him the first defensive back since 2000 to have six sacks and six forced fumbles. This man is called Antoine Winfield Jr. (laughs) And whilst not winning the popularity contest, that is the Pro Bowl, I thought at least he will be a first-team All-Pro. But no, they couldn't even do him the decency to put him in the All-Pro team. the, The only thing you need to know about is I'm a Saints fan. I don't like the books. This player, this man, has in a career, you know, in a contract year, has absolutely balled out. I'm terrified of him. I have been for years. I, I don't understand. Like I said, the Pro Bowl, I understood slightly because it's a popularity contest. And I thought, well, it's a real shame that he wasn't picked because he deserves it. But at least they'll get it right, the All-Pro. What a slap in the face to say he's not a first-team All-Pro, it's it's outrageous. And like I say, it should say enough that a, a rival fan is... Back, I'm, I'm beating the... the <laughs> I, I, I'm lost for words how this man is not... He's been snubbed. I don't know what he's done. Watch there be something come out in three weeks that he's a terrible human being and they knew all along so they didn't want him at the Pro Bowl and the All-Pro. I, I, there must be a reason. There has to be a reason. Yeah, there has to be. Um, on that note, the sack leader in the NFL, T.J. Watt <laughs> didn't make first-team All-Pro either. <laughs> Travis Kelsey did, though. You know, Travis Kelsey yeah, did, uh, but that that's that's like just banking on his name. He didn't have his best. I, I expect this of the Pro Bowl. I do not expect this from All-Pro. No. All-Pro is supposed to be statistics. This player was the best. No matter who your name is, you could be a fifth-round rookie that no one's ever heard of called Puka Nakua. If you play well... You should be an all pro. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever your name is, wherever you're drafted, it should not matter. You know, you, the Pro Bowl is just, you know, well, I'm voting for my friend. The all yeah. pro should be completely non biased. And Travis Kelsey getting in it. And like you say, the, the sack leader not being in it. I mean, what what are we doing? I know. I, I like. So, Miles um, Garrett got in. Uh, first team all pro, Ed Rusher. And so did Max Crosby. Now, I've already said I can't stand Max Crosby because he's an excellent player and he plays for the Raiders. That's why I hate Max Crosby, because he's so good. But he's not better than TJ Watt, and he didn't have a better season than TJ Watt. Like he, had, he had more tackles. That's it. That's all he had. You're an edge rusher. 
Your job is to sack the quarterback. Did you want him more sacks? He had an interception. Max Crosby had none. He had um, more forced fumbles, more fumble recoveries. Like, like, what do you want from an edge rusher? And, and TJ Watt doesn't make I'm with you, Jake. Winfield should have been in. Um, TJ Watt should have been in. Absolute disgrace. Uh, Dave, why don't, why don't you go next for the uh, random stat, please? I will happily do so. Um, mine ha- is a little compilation uh, to round off the uh, fantastic game uh, that we saw uh, uh, on the West Coast at the weekend. Because it le- it's we- we've obviously heard that that game, it was a nothing game, didn't have much meaning to it. Uh, but there were many records broken in this game. Now, it wasn't just that Pukunakua was uh, he broke two records in this game. Not only did Pukunakua break two records, uh, rookie records in this game, he has one more uh, catch in his rookie season than Jalen Waddell in 2021 uh, to, to give him 105 catches. He caught a 19-yard pass from Carson Wentz in the first quarter uh, to tie Bill Groman's record of 1,473 yards, and then past that, that's two records. Kobe Turner has nine sacks in a year, and PF, PFF have given him the rookie of the defensive rookie of the year award, which I have no qualms about whatsoever. But one man broke up a franchise record in this game. Carson Wentz. Broke a franchise record. Well, not broke a franchise record, but since 1950, no quarterback for the for the Rams has rushed more in a game than Carson Wentz did since 1950. A man we didn't know could walk, let alone run, <laughs> managed to managed to get the most runs by a quarterback for the Rams since 19. 19- 50. He had 17 rushes, was the highest rusher in the game. And I am absolutely flabbergasted that this was a thing. But also, on that note, um, Puganakua is not going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, and I'm very upset about that. Uh, because apparently some randomer called Stroud, J.C. Stroud, I think that's what is. J.C. Stroud is going to win, that's right. Um, but there was a lot of records broken in this game. Puka Nakua breaking the receiving record uh, for most catches. Um, and, look, records left, right and centre this one. But the most startling one, most most rushes by a Rams quarterback since 1950, which was Carson Wentz. That Rams quarterback in 1950 wasn't Norm Van Brocklin by any chance, was it? <laughs> Of course it was. <laughs> of course it was. Of course it was. Yes. Norm Van Brocklin just keeps popping up. Look, I'm I'm, j- I'm going to reserve my judgment on whether he has the same impact to any or- to the organisation as Norm Van Brocklin had. So I'm gonna, just going to reserve Wentz, the judgment. That, that's a, that is a disgusting comment as a Rams fan. That is disgusting. Norm Van Brocklin is an all-time legend. And for those no, people who yeah. follow us on Twitter, X, Twix, no, Norman Van Brocklin still holds the all-time record for the most passing yards in a game, 554. Carson Wentz is not coming anywhere near Norman Van Brocklin. I'll tell you that right now, Dave. So anyway, 
But we'll have yeah, less. If there was a tally of his, if there was a tally of historic players that come up on this podcast, it would be him and Earl Morrell. Uh, yeah, they, they would be yeah, the two that come up all the time. It's Norman Brocken and Earl Morrell. That that that's it. Anyway, well, that that is true. But um, I I would also say that you know um, what what was uh, Norman Bronken's nickname? The Flying Dutchman. The Flying Dutchman, yes. Well, we've got the Flying Gingerman and, and Carson Wentz <laughs> on, on the pitch last. So, yes. Uh, boo this man. Boo this man. I'm, I'm no, booing no, no, you, no. Dave. Me and Jake are no. booing you. Boo. But boo. you know what? You can you can boo me when the Rams beat the Lions, so there you go. But I will boo I, I from my I the Rams height, to beat the Lions, but height, not because of Carson Wentz. I'm just saying that. You right. never know what, uh, you know, if, if we, maybe we can have the Rams tush-push. It'll be Carson Wentz who gets in for the for the winning touchdown. That would be something for the ages, would it not? Oh, I don't even I don't even know what to say. He's now wishing that Carson Wentz is in the playoff game against the Lions. What, Do you are you killing off Dave? Matthew Stafford run, as well? I, I, Dave, Dave, I hope you get your wish. I hope you get your wish and Carson Wentz ends up being the quarterback for the Rams against the Lions because something <laughs> happens to Matthew Stafford. That's what you're wishing for? That's I hope not you get what that I wish said. And we'll That's see what happens. What I said. But on that bombshell, let's go Rams. Boom, come on, we right. can do this. We're going to move on. I, to, to finish us off, my random stat concerns kickers. <laughs> now, we all know that, generally speaking, Justin Tucker is considered the most accurate kicker, between him and Young Ho Koo, I think it is, of, of all time, right? Mm-hmm. And Justin Tucker is generally considered the greatest kicker of all time because of his booming 65-yarders left, right, and centre, and he's so accurate, and we get that. Uh, but Justin Tucker's never, never led the league in scoring. So then you think, oh, what about other great kickers? Adam Vinatieri springs to mind, of course. Yeah. Played for so many years. So many years. And Adam Vinatieri did lead the league in scoring in 2004. But there's another kicker. A Patriots kicker. By the name of Stephen Gostkowski who I'm mm-hmm. sure you all remember, who led the league in scoring in 2012 and 2013, right? Back-to-back years. The last person to lead the league in scoring two years running. Prior to him, David Akers did it in 2010 and 2011 for the Philadelphia Eagles and then for the San Francisco 49ers. But here's the thing. Stephen Goskowski then led the league again in 2014 and 2015 he led the nfl in scoring four consecutive years he's the only player ever to do that and he also led the league in scoring in 2008 five times in his career he's the only player to lead the league in scoring five times uh and as i say the only player ever to do it four times in a row between 2012 and 2015 steven gostkowski never ever gets mentioned as one of the best kickers of all time and yet, you know, the numbers are there. And that is my random stat. It's a great stat. Yeah. It, is, and it just shows the Patriots dynasty was really built on the foundation of special teams. That's, you know, yep. we associate defense and special teams with, with Bill Belichick. And of course. He, he certainly doesn't take it for granted. Uh, do you know that the funny thing is... It's all this year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the funny yeah. thing is, I was actually going through it. Um, so in 2021, Nick Folk led the NFL in scoring for New England. 
Uh, mm. The aforementioned Goskowski, uh, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, and as I said, in 2008. Uh, Adam Vinatieri in 2004. Um, if you then go back a few years, Tony Franklin in 1986 for the New England Patriots, John Smith in 1979 and 1980 for the New England Patriots. The Patriots have always had kickers. They're, they're, I'm talking about leading the league in scoring. The Patriots just seem to have had consistent kickers forever. Uh, John Smith actually, I think, presented the American Football Channel 4 back in the day, back in the mid-80s. Um, but he was he was born in England, and he was a, a kicker for the New England Patriots, led the league in scoring twice. But yeah, Stephen Goskowski, my goodness, what a player he was, and a valuable, mm. valuable part of that New England, uh, New England dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah. I don't know why I'm saying dynasty. 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 Dynasty's an American word. Yeah, anyway, gentlemen. And, the, and, the, and now we've got a dinosaur who could be le- leaving the New England Patriots in Bill Belichick. So <laughs> let's watch the, the watch this space with the with the, the Dino Raptor. We we shall see what happens. Uh guys, that is the end of our podcast. Uh thank you very much, Dave, for coming along. Oh. Of absolutely no problem at all. See you next week, hopefully. Thank you, Jake, for being here. <laughs> hopefully. Anytime. I have um, put on Twitter or X, uh, I've tagged the, the podcast. We have a bracket. Uh, we obviously had our pickums throughout the, the, the year, which I won. Um, <laughs> uh, we, there is a, a, a bracket. Uh, if anybody's interested in making a bracket, just for fun. Um, there's a little group there for us to do that just to keep a track of and uh, spoiler alert Dave has the Rams winning the Super Bowl uh, well, I am shocked just it, it, shocked it, it was just it, it just so happened when I was picking the winners all of a sudden <laughs> the Rams just, just appeared it just panned out like of that, course exactly. that, that's how I was going to I'll say well the Rams won this one uh, they'll win that yeah. one uh, they'll win this one and they'll win that one okay no worries yeah, well, who, who did the rest of you who did you two pick well, I've picked the the Forty Niners over the Ravens. Right? Do you know what this? I, I, I picked the Ravens over the Forty Niners. One number one seed. One number one seed. One of those two. That's just one of those two. Anyway, guys, thank you very much for coming along. Thank you to everybody for uh, listening in. Uh, don't forget, you can catch us as you already mentioned on Twitter slash X, um, and we will see you in the postseason on next week's edition yeah. of the NFL Show. <laughs>